You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since Welcome to the GGTMC. We are back. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Doing my yeah. Richard Boone impersonations, I think, uh, today. <laughs> hey, everybody, settle down. I yeah, I can't get that loud today. <laughs> <laughs> Something might split on me. Ooh, easy. <laughs> easy. Keep that seam uh, tight. Keep it tight there, Todd. Mm -hmm. Keep that fucking truss on. <laughs> All right, it is me, Todd. It's Will. We are here, Tres Amigos. We're talking The Last Dinosaur this week from 1977, directed by Alexander Grasshoff and Suganobu Katani, I want to say. Yes. Wanna, that, was a, that was pretty good. Navigation. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good for you know this early. I hadn't tried to say that. I hadn't rehearsed it or nothing. <laughs> and, and I can tell you my writing doesn't look like that So, uh, yeah Off to a good start And then, Bare Knuckles from 78 Directed by Don Edmonds uh, So, yeah, this is a, this is a drive-in type show here Definitely um, yeah, what, is it? what are the odds That we would bring Class to the Trash Two films from the wonderful year of 1977 yep. One show has that happened before? Yeah, uh, probably. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, probably. I'm sure over almost 12 years it has. But yeah. Not, yeah, very yeah. Often, not as often as you'd think. Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't happen as often as you'd think. It, uh, kind of the fun thing about the show is us talking about, you know, 30 years apart and yet not very different. Or how different things could be 30 years from now. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the... Uh, IMDb listings are 77 and 78, I think, but they 77 are. 77 and 77. Uh, I don't know. I, maybe, I'm maybe I'm wrong. I'm certainly capable of being wrong on a daily basis. Oh, I'm very capable. <laughs> it's actually one of the few things I'm very capable of being all the time. Huh. Uh, but I didn't look, to be honest with you. I, I assumed, and that might be uh, a faux pas on my part. Um, yeah, you're right. 77 nah. 77, yeah. 
That is a faux pas on my part, then. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's enough of that crap. Uh, we hope everybody's uh, having a good time during these uh, tough times. Uh, it's kind of a weird thing to say right now, but uh, again, we're here to just entertain and, and get your mind off of things for a little while and maybe make you think about, you know, little Zach Kane, mm-hmm. little, uh, you know, we got great character names this week, Mastin Thrust Jr. and Zach Kane. <laughs> Mastin Thrust is uh, definitely one of the better character names we've ever had on the show. So, oh yeah, it just sounds well naughty. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're just here to take your mind off of things for a little while, and we hope you uh, enjoy that. Uh, let's get into what we've been watching. Todd, what have you been up to? Not a hell of a lot. It was a late week, uh, which you know happens. Oh, yeah. If you use those uh, five movies or something like that. Uh, yeah, no, only three. What? I know, right? Ugh. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, so, yeah. I, uh, I continued down through the uh, Pierre Ete uh, box set from Criterion. Uh, I hit Yo-Yo, and uh, I really like this one um, a lot more than the, than the Suitor. Uh, it also plays very, very much like, uh, almost like a... Uh, silent movie it's also a lot more uh what's the word i'm looking for like um uh, it's it's almost fellini-esque in certain ways uh, i think and uh i mean clearly with the uh, the circus and this whole thing and this uh the circularity uh that uh that he gets into with it and it's really well thought out it's really funny uh and it's just beautifully made uh and yeah, just a, a wonderful, wonderful movie that I would uh, I'd go recommend to people. Uh, so there was that. And then I went off to the Fantastic Planet from 1973 uh, for Mr. Uh, designed by Mr. Roland Topor, uh, who people may or may not know the name. Um, he was the guy. He uh, I think he was the one who wrote uh, the Tenant. Uh, for the Roman Polanski movie, uh, that well, I should say that the Roman Polanski movie was based on, amongst other things, uh, he's been involved with like the art scene and writing and all kinds of other stuff. Very creative guy, and uh, this is no different. Uh, the um, the movie looks fantastic, and it's got a lot of wonderful uh, visual uh, designs going on in it. Uh, the story itself is uh, is interesting, although it does kind of it does kind of peter out. Uh, I thought uh, around the midway point, and it never fully comes back uh, for me. Uh, but that being said, I mean, I, just to watch this thing, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Tech, just on a technical level, it's really really impressive. Uh, it looks uh, amazing, uh, and uh, yeah, it's got a. a it's got interesting themes going on there. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised I never caught this one before. Um, but I think it always looked a bit too, uh, like, almost classy, uh, I think, for me. For me, when I was a kid, at least. Uh, and certainly it's a, a more adult-oriented uh, sort of uh, animation. Uh, having the nude boobies and things like that. Uh, so, there you go. And then I watched the second in the Harry Palmer movies, uh, 
with uh, Funeral in Berlin, uh, directed by Guy Hamilton, who is uh, directed uh, arguably the uh, the best of the James Bond movies, Goldfinger, um, and yeah, uh, this one was really good too. Uh, but it's another one; it, it, it's kind of around the midway point. It goes into a certain direction that you're just like, wait a minute, what? And then it just continues down that path uh, for the remainder of the movie. Michael Caine is great; uh, he feels a lot looser. Uh, than in the the Empress file, um, but he's still very much Harry Palmer with his uh, his sort of uh, insubordination and uh, and all that sort of thing. It's got a nice little cast there uh, who uh, who helps support him. Um, it's uh, it's a pretty clever little uh, little Cold War movie, and it's got uh, Ava Renzi showing up, uh, and she is. Um, She's something to see. So, mm-hmm. uh, for those of you who don't know, she was in uh, let's see, she was in Bird with the Crystal Plumage. She was in Death Occurred last night, which is a really good movie. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was a, it was a good little sequel. Um, I gotta try and find myself billion dollar brain now to uh, round it off and uh, and see how that pans out for me. Uh, and that's pretty much what I got, guys. So. Billion Dollar Brain. Like is that short week. Billion Dollar Brain. Is that the one directed by Jonathan Kaplan, maybe? I don't know. Uh, Mr. Cotter? I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably wrong. I'm probably thinking of something else directed by Jonathan Kaplan. Uh, no, I don't Gabe think it, Kaplan? That, that, yeah. That's Gabe Kaplan you're referring to. <laughs> I love Gabe Kaplan. Love me some Gabe I Kaplan. Know, right? Well, he was probably too busy throwing a few chips on the felt. Maybe. No, that was Ken Russell. Maybe. Billion Dollar Brain. Yeah, maybe. Ken yeah. Russell did? There we go. There yeah. we go. Wow. Maybe maybe Gabe Kaplan, maybe the master of the dad joke. Maybe. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, at least the uncle joke. Certainly. Certainly. Yes. Yeah. He loves the old Jewish uncle jokes. Oh, oh yeah. does he ever. Is he still around, Gabe Kaplan? I think he's still around, ain't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. he is. Yeah. He pops up every now and then, tells a joke, and disappears again for two or three years. <laughs> All right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Of course, he doesn't have his magnificent hair anymore either. Yeah, the hair he's known no. for. Yeah, that's right. Doesn't have that. I'm getting some snap crackling and popping on the mics. I don't know what's going on. Is there movement going on? Is anybody moving around? <laughs> no more than usual. <laughs> yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Let me make sure it's not me. There we go. Oh, that's a great sound. I'm sure everybody will love in their speakers. Nice. And uh, I had it cranked up. Yeah. Will, what have you been watching lately? Uh, well... Uh, it was Bub's pick early in the week. He wanted to watch the original Annie. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, it's, I don't know, where he kind of, he's latched onto this one. He's he's watched it a couple of times. He quite enjoys it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? It's, I, I think it's on Netflix, I, I want to say. I mean, I've seen it, I don't know, once, maybe, in bits and pieces. Another time, Um and it's just such a curious film because, I mean, it's John Huston. It's got Albert Finney, Bernadette Peters, uh, Carol Burnett, um, Tim Carey, Jeffrey Holder. It's it's a pretty, I think at the time, because, you know, reading about it as we're watching it, um, it was the most expensive musical ever made. Mm. Um, and it's it's weird. It's, it's really long. It's about two hours long. Uh, but it mostly works. Um, and Aileen Quinn, I think, truly truly puts in one of the best child performances of all time. I mean, for, for me, she's so, so good as Annie. She's so, 
you know, a lot of times we've talked about this countless times on our show. Child performances can be just too precocious, uh, too cute for their own good. And I think she's just, she's just note perfect as Annie. Um, and the people that are in it, I think, are having fun. They're energized. Curry's a pro. Burnett's fun. Uh, Peters and uh, Finney are fantastic. So, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it was a really fun rewatch um, for us. William really doesn't like it. Well, yeah, he's not a big fan, but that's the way it goes. Uh, good stuff. Then I want I had a very rare opportunity to watch something that was um, without the kids, so I threw on Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, which was the documentary about Mark Patton. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is on Shudder. So a good friend of the show, Jared, had recommended this to me ages ago. Uh, he mentioned in passing he'd seen it, and I think he'd, he'd gotten a copy signed by Mark Patton. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, it's uh, And it's funny because uh, our good friends... Um, um, Fozzie and Freddie show up in this, ah. you know, interviewing Mark. So, um, yeah, no, this, I, this, if I was going to make a top 30 list, this might make its way on. I quite enjoyed it. I thought it had a lot of heart. Um, very good. Just looking at obviously Patton, he disappeared for a long time. Uh, homophobia in Hollywood, the AIDS, uh, pandemic uh, epidemic, um, and just some of the the obvious subtext in the film, and, and just how Patton's career went post Nightmare Two. So, mm-hmm. really, really good film, uh, really good documentary. I really enjoyed it. Uh, next up was one that my wife picked. She picked it strictly for the boys, and I was I thought I'd get out of the woods on this one, and I was never going to have to watch it. And then it happened. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog. There you go. Yeah, you're never going to get away from certain things. No. No, you're not. Um, Lordy. You're just not. (laughs) So, this. Um, Luckily, I was able to spend some time fiddling around with a plugged primer line or a condensation hose off of um, the furnace uh, for a good portion of the film. A um, metaphor for uh, jacking off or something? Uh, <laughs> it's for jacking off. Um, yeah, but uh, condensation hose. Oh yeah. Oh, it's her. You have to say it. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I tied up some time, but okay. So <laughs> I'll say never, man. never as much as you would like it to tie. Especially up. if you're doing it right. Balloon animal. Um, <laughs> oh, get squeaky. Yeah. Get squeaky, y'all. It was squeaky. <laughs> oh boy! So this one, um, I'll say this: Jim Carrey had a lot of energy in this film. Yeah, yeah. It's it's basically he, he him. does not mail it in. He's, yeah, he's, he's fun. Yeah, he revisits. He, it's basically Ace Ventura is a bad guy in a lot of ways. It isn't is. It? <laughs> it absolutely is. Oh, with a great mustache, he looks good. But the. And of course, I'm critiquing this through adult eyes. Sure, uh, both the kids sure. really didn't want to watch it, but I think they begrudgingly liked it a little more than they thought they would. But sure. through my adult eyes, uh, Marsden has always been an absolutely sparkless wonder. Um, you know, he looks fine. He's likable enough, but he just he doesn't 
He doesn't bring anything to the screen. I mean, he was he was cast perfectly as Cyclops. Yeah. Um, Carrie's great, but I'll tell you the thing that really sinks this for me is the titular Hedgehog. Yeah. He uh-huh. is so fucking grating. He's like he's like Deadpool for kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good I mean, example. That's a good comparison. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God. But you know, hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, my son likes it a lot. I actually yeah. own it because he likes it Either so much. Really. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, Carrie's fine in it. it. He's fun, but just Sonic to me is just like I said. He's a Deadpool for kids, and that. Yeah. You know, I can't go for that, as uh, no. certain yeah certain duo from Philadelphia once said. Um, but hey, to each their own, right? Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. A blesser. She was, and you know what? We were trying to make a more concerted effort to at least string together some kid-friendly films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, I, Braden and I were home alone. So we threw on. Uh, we were just kind of indecisive. What we're going to watch? And uh, I was like, let's let's just throw on the Iron Giant. We haven't seen it in a couple of years. So yeah, I've talked about this one. I mean, it's it's fantastic. Uh, it's such a beautiful film. Great voice work. Great animation. I always love dropping on that's Groot's voice. Um, yeah, just wonderful. It's I, I'd never. Re- it's funny because I'd watched it and, and often thought it. Obviously, it feels very Rockwellian, uh, Americana. And true enough, or sure enough, I should say the the town that it takes place in is called Rockwell. So, um, yeah, just a beautiful film, beautiful animated film. Uh, shifted gears completely. No pun intended. The kid William wanted to watch The Shining again. And my wife was like, we just watched it a few months ago. And then, of course, the whole rules of who picks and what can be watched comes into place in the house. And there should be a you know window of time where we can't pick the same thing. And so I was like, okay, I got to pick something fast. William wanted he had a bit of bloodlust, I guess, and wanted something. So I said, uh, you know what? Let's let's just watch Death Proof. Uh had they done that one before? No, they hadn't. I, I, they, we had started Planet Terror once, and I, I intended to do like the whole grindhouse thing for them. Um, but we started Planet Terror one time, and then we didn't. So this was an easy sell because they love bastards, they love Django, they love Kill Bill. Um, easy sell, and there's completely different. Yeah, it's uh, something else, right? So I had not seen this probably since it's. Because uh, we covered this in the show, right? Uh, no, we never did. Nope. Really? No. Nope. Oh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No. That's surprising. I guess it, it must have felt like we did because I mean, at the time, it would have been yeah. talked about. Never. On the show, uh, never the know, and, and the group. Yeah. Never the groundhouse experience. No, or none of that. Oh. We never covered any of that. No. And, and I got to explain to them what the whole groundhouse thing was, and blah blah blah. So, okay, this one, so I hadn't seen it in, I don't know, 10 years, whatever it was, uh, hasn't aged very well in spots. Um, the Eli Roth stuff is, that, that whole stuff is, is just, it's not very good. Um, some of the women, it's even more apparent to me now. They're, they're just written too, too Tarantino, you know, like they're just, it just feels too forced. Yeah, they're all him uh, with boobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's absolutely. All wish fulfillment, I think. It, oh, it God, is, yeah. and it's so. It's some of it's so ridiculous, and some of it, to be honest, is is pretty cringeworthy. Oh, like yeah. it's so on the nose, Tarantino. Like um, Sydney Poitier, um, she 
she's I, I don't know. I, I find her stuff for Tracy Toms is terrible in it. She's she's just she's trying to be Sam Jackson and she's written as this is Sam Jackson essentially. Um, only a few of the women kind of come out unscathed in some ways for me as far as you know pulling it off. Uh, Vanessa Ferlito's pretty good still. Rosario Dawson comes off the best, which is is probably pretty obvious in in hindsight because he, she's she's fantastic, right? She's you know she's a good actress. Yeah. Um, Mary, Elizabeth, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's good. Of course, Kurt's great. Um, but some stuff that does hold up quite well is uh, the 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 set piece with the head-on collision mm-hmm. at the end of the first segment. The stunt work by Zoe Bell is just first rate. Um, the, the leg, uh, Jungle Julia's leg that flops. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that might be the best-looking fake leg I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. It is so gross when that happens. Yeah. Ugh. But, uh, no, but on the whole, you know what? It was fun to revisit. Um, my score, if I did give it a score now, would probably be maybe a seven. Yeah. It's you know? not, yeah, it's definitely not up there for me either. And yeah. that's the, that's the thing is that, you know, it was certainly two different approaches to what the grindhouse experience actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Planet Terror is what we all would like for a grindhouse movie to be, sure. uh, and Death Proof is what grindhouse movies usually were. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely, and I mean, I think I think too, Planet Terror is is really more made for the VHS generation than anything, right? Sure. Like, sure. You know, that's more. Um, up our alley uh, in terms of what we would have watched, but you know, Death Proof too. I mean, it looks good. Like the film stock looks great. I mean, it looks like Halloween in some ways, and it was an interesting concept for me to, to explain to them. It's a slash. It's, in essence, it's supposed to be a slasher where the car is the weapon. And talking about Kurt and casting and how you know from Carpenter being a tough guy from Disney, like from Disney to tough guy in John Carpenter films, and then playing the slasher. Um, yeah. So anyway. Uh, that was fun, but a little bit too, just, yeah, a little too on the nose, Tarantino uh, at times. But, you know, William loved it. Like, he, he said to me it was probably in his top ten favorite films now. Good Lord. He really loved it. I yeah. think we need to take him aside. Yeah, well, he's going through that phase, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, right. yeah where everything's a ten, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I'm well a, out of the three of us, I'd say I'm probably the biggest Death Proof fan. I'm a bigger fan of it than most. Well, and I, I got to say, going into this viewing... I was always one of the people that really stumped for it. I, I really loved it. It was probably like an 8.25 for me. Now it might be a 7, um, 6.5, mm-hmm. you know. But like I said, some stuff really like, still really works. It yeah. looks great. There's that wonderfully creepy scene with Kurt outside the convenience store with Rosario Dawson's foot, feet. Yeah. Man, I, I was, I'm, I'm glad the kids were distracted. I didn't have to explain that one. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, and that's it. That was my week in a nutshell. Nice, nice. So I watched as many movies as Todd did this week, which is that's uh, kind of a good week for you. That is a good that's week. A for huge me. week for you. Yeah, it's big. I mean, I, I don't even know what to do with myself right now. It's lengthy and girthy. Yeah, we have to go get one of those condensation hoses. <laughs> yeah. So I checked out uh, them that follow. This is a uh, kind of a backwoods Appalachia type tale. Young girl gets pregnant out of wedlock. It's got Walter Goggins in it playing a preacher. It's uh yeah it, it's pretty good it's it's not bad it's it's certainly a uh, an American kitchen sink drama type thing I mean uh, it, it deals with uh, you know the religious aspects too of rattlesnakes and 
and the snake bite and all that kind of stuff. So if you know anything about that kind of stuff, um, you check it out. And, uh, but it's it it's also I mean it's good, but it, it's way way over long in a lot of ways, and it just I don't know. Outside of Goggins and a couple of the performances, it's not really. Olivia Coleman's really good too, and it's crazy because she's playing this kind of, for lack of a better word, this kind of hillbilly. Uh, not 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 the not a drive-in hillbilly, by the way, not a Tarantino hillbilly <laughs> or a Rob Zombie hillbilly, for that matter. Yeah. But a uh, a a real hillbilly, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing what she does with her voice, uh, considering you know I know that she's not a hillbilly. Uh, she you you never know that. So she's really good in the movie, and Goggins is really good, but. The movie's just a bit of a, a bore, really, and uh, it was all right. I mean, I, do you, do you think that it would have been improved by them playing Freebird multiple times, like in a Rob Zombie movie? I think it would have been improved first by Sherry Moon Zombie, and yes, then that's sec- one. Second yes. by the death proof car crash scene uh, over and over, <laughs> and maybe the deaf directorial hand of Todd Phillips. Yes, there you go. Yes. I'll take through all now three. Now you're those. talking my language. Yeah, yeah, there we go. I'll take all three. Um, <laughs> fucking trifecta. That yeah. hat trick. <laughs> the yeah. holy trinity. That's right. <laughs> I'll, I will take the, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take the, uh, I don't know what to say about this next one I watched. I don't know where it came from. I think it came from the fact that I got it really cheap and uh, just decided to watch it because I hadn't seen it since theaters, which was 15 or 16 years ago, which is crazy. Uh, but it might have also been subliminally because of something Will sent, which we won't talk about, in a message uh, thing. Not not that it's off, uh, you know, off limits to talk about this particular thing. But mm. I decided to do a rewatch of uh, Spielberg's War of the Worlds. Mm. Um, ah, I've, I always meant to watch this one. I never really saw it. Just yeah. to kind of, I thought, I thought it was it'd okay. be okay for a family, right? Yeah, I, you yeah. know, the front end of it is really good. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's it really deals with uh, you know especially a lot of the nine eleven imagery that came out of uh, reports uh, you know or out of the coverage of nine eleven. There's a lot of that kind of stuff kind of heavily influenced here and and uh, definitely some reactions. I mean, there's some parts where the kids are they're running away from the aliens and the kids are saying, "Is a terrorist? Is a terrorist?" You know, I mean, because obviously at this point they would they would probably think something like that if, if a city was getting attacked or something. Oh, yeah. Um. So, you know, I I never really had trouble with the Tim Robbins stuff. Uh, a lot of people don't like that. There's a part in the movie where it kind of comes to a grinding halt and Tim Robbins is there and stuff. And I still don't have any real trouble with it, but it does really kill the momentum of the movie. Yeah, uh, it does. I think the one thing I take from the War of the Worlds movie with Spielberg is uh, the sound is really interesting. I really like the... The sound of the alien ships, like, I mean, I can't even do it. It, It's not a sound I can do. (laughs) That was a valiant. uh, It was a valiant effort. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But the the uh, you can't. uh, You know, I mean, it's it's like that heavy bass sound that like every Christopher Nolan trailer has had since. (laughs) You've painted a perfect picture now. (laughs) There you go. That probably was a better way to do it. but it's really good in that aspect, and some of the designs are really good. The aliens themselves are very strange and odd design, I have to say. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it's okay. I mean, I you know, I'd say it's you know, it's a six point five or somewhere in there, maybe 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 a seven. I mean, I I enjoy it for what it is. It just uh, I don't know. It's funny. 
at the time, I remember seeing the theaters and thinking, man, special effects just aren't going to get much better than this. I don't see how they can. And then I watched it, and I was like, yeah, these special effects don't look as good as they used to. <laughs> so they haven't aged very well for yeah, you. They haven't, they haven't aged as much as I thought. you know. And I watched it in 4K, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it, there was... There were some reasons to revisit it and stuff. I'm revisiting some sure. stuff in 4K. I'm getting ready to revisit Jaws probably pretty soon in 4K. Oh, same with us, but yeah. only in Blu-ray. We're yeah. a few years behind at times. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm, so there's certain things I'm revisiting. You know, certain things that I grew up obviously loving. Jaws, The Shining, War of the Worlds is not one I grew up loving, but uh, it was cheap, uh, and uh, I, th- I hadn't seen it in forever, and I thought, well, you know, I, certainly the front end of the movie was worth what I paid for it, so. Uh, not bad. Um, uh, then switched gears and decided to jump on that Zeitgeist film there, Bay. Jumping into the Zeitgeist, that hyperbole, using fancy words this morning. <laughs> that movie of the times. But I watched uh, The Five Bloods. Ooh, I was, yeah. yeah. Spike Lee movie. Down the- yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's fine. It's fine. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a I'm a Lee apologist. I you know, I mean, I'm probably one of the few people that likes Girl Six and probably a few other things. So uh, but uh, this one is is really kind of odd in its tone, and uh, he has some moments that I, I certainly, as a film fan, don't like, which is when somebody stops to explain something to you, like a history lesson. Mm. I really hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I really hate that more than anything. It takes me out of a movie quicker than anything. When somebody, when some character randomly drops a Wikipedia note on you, yeah, it's like, what in the fuck am I doing? And that happens I more think. than a handful of times here. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, the acting is really good in the movie, but the movie itself is a, it's a bit sloppy. It's it's uh, uh, it, it's just like two and a half hours long. It's a long movie too, so it's. It's an epic, and the some of the the music and soundtrack to it and stuff is really weird. It's not, you know, like his like he's really good at using pop music and rap and yeah and things like that. He's very Scorsese. I mean, if anybody he can, is, yeah, if there's any filmmaker I think of when I think of Spike Lee, it's typically Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, it's like he's going for. I mean, the obvious choice, I guess, what he's going for is Oliver Stone here, in some ways, and it just doesn't come across as well as I think he thinks it does. It's an interesting kind of mix of genres, and there's definitely a lot that can be said here. I think what what the biggest problem with this movie is, and I liked it. I didn't love it, certainly, but, I, you know, I, the acting was really good. I've always liked Delroy Lindo. Uh, I've, I don't know why people are all of a sudden discovering him. He's always been good. Uh, um, but, you know, it is what it is. It's just kind of the world we live in. Um, but he... Uh, this movie would have been better if it would have taken the exploitation approach and given and given given <laughs> the given the uh, and just given little tidbits of this information. Instead, it's like it almost freezes to remind you of past transgressions of uh, black people in history. Now I know that's a red hot subject right now. I get that, but. If 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 you've read a news story in the last twenty years, Jesus Christ, you don't need it in a movie. Uh, so I don't understand unless this is made for infants. I don't understand why you have to basically freeze the movie to do it. Uh, so it's weird in that way. In that way, it's very strange. But uh, as a story of you know four men uh, reuniting over a a common trauma, it's pretty good. As a, a movie 
about uh, social subjects that Spike Lee, you know, is sometimes very good at dealing with. It's not very good. I think it's kind of weak in that way, in that aspect. But, um, you know, I'm probably in the minority on that, maybe. Uh, you know, I think he does a better job. I, I didn't see the Black Klansman, so I don't know uh, how that one handles it. But I'm, I'm pretty sure the tone is weird in that as well. And, it is. And, and Spike Lee's known for this. It's not like it's nothing he doesn't. I mean, he's he's known to use comedy and things to get a point across. It's not unusual. Do the right things. Very funny in moments. You know? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I agree. A lot of his kind of transgressive films are very funny in moments, and uh, he deals with sex in a very uh, misogynistic way sometimes, but also a very sexy way. His tone is just weird. It's 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 very Scorsese in a way. Uh, in that way, the Scorsese can sometimes be funny. Uh, I, I don't know if he intends to be funny, but it it, it just kind of comes across as that. But hey, it was it was okay. It was decent. It looked good. It looked really nice. Uh, of course, you know most things do nowadays, but. Uh, you know, it was interesting to see him shooting a movie. You know, I never saw the other war movie he did, The Bells of whatever it was called or something. Oh, Silmarine. Yeah, I know the one you mean. I think it's, there's a very Italian, uh, the Miracle of St. Anna. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? Miracle of St. Anna. It's like, yeah, I think my, it's like, my in-laws like that one. Yeah, I never saw that one. Uh, I'll fully admit I've fallen off the Spike Lee train over the years. Uh, you know, I think he's still an interesting filmmaker, but I don't, uh, I don't pine for the uh, next Spike Lee joint, like I used to, um, you know, this is uh, this is I think the twenty fourth film he's made. Wow, which is crazy when you think about it. But he started really young too, so oh, yeah. yeah, he did. Um, you know, he's only sixty three, and I'm sure he's got a few more in him. Oh yeah, but uh, I I don't I don't know I don't know it, this uh, you know this one's got all the trappings. I mean, obviously, I was attracted to it because I I got a Treasure Sierra Madre vibe from it. I got a Spike Lee vibe from it. Um, uh, Delroy, Delroy Lindo I like a lot so I was going to watch something anything where he was a lead in I was probably going to watch because he's usually a co-star or a, a heavy or something like that and I like him in those performances but it's nice when he, he gets to kind of come to the forefront and stuff the other actor in there I can't think of his name I can never think of his name he was on The Wire but uh, he's a great actor Clark uh, something I can't remember his name uh, Clark Peters I believe is his name he's always good he's always been good in everything he does but um some of the other acting is, I mean, there's some moments where it's like, you know, I guess it's probably the best way to describe it is probably some of those feelings you had toward Death Proof. I mean, there's some moments where it's like, Ugh, a little cringeworthy, you know? Yeah, and that's, it's funny you say that because I, I feel that way about Lee's stuff too. Sometimes he's capable of just incredible cinematic moments and there's other moments like 45 seconds later in the same film yeah, no. where it's just, it shifts gears really hard and it's it's like almost tone deaf or it just... You, yeah, you cringe. You're just like, ooh, that, that's kind of embarrassing. That's Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. I like, you know, again, for the most part, I like his films more often than not. Uh, sure. Even the cringeworthy ones I enjoy um, in some regard. But, uh, you oh, know, yeah. I, I mean, again, I'd, I'd rather there be, you know, a guy like Spike Lee making movies than mm -hmm. there not being a guy like Spike Lee making movies. I'd rather have those kind of transgressive, questionable, flawed films than I would uh, not having the films at all. So, I mean, yeah. that's the way I look at it. I mean, of course, obviously, he's capable of everything. He can do Hollywood fair, and he can do uh, his own personal stuff. But he'll uh, oh, yeah. never be – I mean, I think the important thing about Spike Lee is, is he'll never be forgotten. He's one of the no. uh, great filmmakers of his generation. Yeah, he is. And sure. uh, 
even though I didn't, like I said, I didn't love this one. Um, I did like it still. I did like it, and uh, I think that uh, you know it's 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 worth it. It's worth checking out. But just be prepared. It's a bit of an epic. I mean, it's like uh, two hours thirty six minutes. I think. If if I had had my pick, which I gave up to Braden, long story, family politics, I gave him my pick because of something he had done very selfless. Oh yeah, yeah. My pick would have been Friday night, and I was I was so primed to pick uh, this one and. So we'll probably be talking about this next week. Would you say yep. for you it's like a seven? Would you is that a fair score or, or uh, six point five seven? Yeah, probably somewhere in there. Maybe maybe a little bit below six point five. Maybe a six point two five area. Some okay. in some spots. So decent. Okay. Yeah, I mean there's there's just some there's some wavering in there. There's some moments where I'm like, uh, well, there's some truly awkward moments. <laughs> uh, just some moments where it's just like I don't know what we're doing here. Um, you know, is there anything that will be completely completely inappropriate for my kid. I mean, they watch some no, kind of wild stuff, I don't but think, nothing I, too... No, I think there's some talk every now and then about, uh, you know, a Vietnamese whores and... Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, some stuff like that, and basically some, some guy talk. Sure. But it never it never really crosses over, and there's no nudity that I recall. Uh, you know, obviously okay. I'm very... I'm very uh, calloused to that stuff at this point in my life. Oh but, God, yeah. But I don't, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't. I didn't see any. Uh, it's just weird, though. There's just moments like, you know, when somebody says something about George Washington, and then a character stops and explains how many slaves George Washington owned, and I'm like, yeah, what? This, what is going on now? What is, what is going on right this moment? <laughs> yeah, how, sometimes. And this is right before yeah. they walk into the jungle. It's like, well, what did that have to do have anything to do with walking into the jungle? Yeah, it's uh, it, you have to have a little faith in your audience to know that if you're watching, they're watching your film. Generally, they will. Otherwise, you're banging them over the head a little bit. Yeah, right, which which Klansman did as well at, in spots. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I mean, some stuff you know you want to shout it, but sometimes uh, you have to have faith that your audience is well. Um, you know, and also enough. Yeah. Also, in Lee's defense, I mean, subtlety has never really been his. No, it hasn't. Strength. Even do the right thing is. Yeah. Loud. Yeah, I mean, subtlety's never really been his strength, and so I can't really, you know, it, it's a weird movie for me because there's part of me that's like, well, yeah, this is Spike Lee, and then there's a part yeah, of me that's like, well, you know, he could have done this and he could have done that, but then there's the other part of me that goes back and says, well, yeah, but this is Spike Lee. This is Spike. Man. Yeah. yeah. But I know On he's ca- I know he's capable of subtlety. Oh yeah. When I think about some of the other films, like you know, uh, Crooklyn and uh, uh, even Twenty Fifth Hour, in some ways, or even uh, his Hollywood stuff, Inside Man, things like that, he's capable of subtlety. Yeah, and, but also he's capable of hitting you right over the head with stuff, you know, like Bamboozled, and uh, I don't know, he got game and stuff. You know, I've always wanted to check out his Old Boy. I never got around to it. I want to check that. I out. never did. I never did. I was. I'll check that out. Sometime. So angry. I, I I still want to. You know, I've never seen He Got Game. I, I've always meant to. I got to see that. I, I've been reading to rewatch Crooklyn and He Got Game is pretty good. And Boozled, I've never seen. He Got Game, not for the kids. No, no. I. You know, it's funny because you know a lot of sex. The boys love basketball, but yeah. I have a feeling. I. You know. I, yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. I'll probably watch it with three sets. Just the father-son stuff would have been interesting. But, I yeah, I, think I don't know if much. the sex would be too much for him. Uh, certainly, uh, this is a weird conversation to have this morning. But I, I don't know if. <laughs> but uh, certainly, there's a scene where one female is riding uh, a gentleman, and another one is sitting on the gentleman's face. So I mean, there, there's. Well, then I probably want to avoid that for a little while. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's, uh, that's a deeper conversation that I think you're ready to have right now. So. Well, I had to answer <laughs> the question, or I had to 
I was asked the question uh, watching Death Proof, Dad, what's a lap dance? <laughs> and then uh, the music started. I said, son, you're about to see what a lap dance is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let Vanessa Ferlito tell you what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we kind of left it at that. They didn't dig deeper, thank goodness. I didn't, I didn't want to say anything during the talk of Death Proof, but I got to say that whole bar sequence in Death Proof, is my least favorite part of Death Proof. <laughs> it, it is pretty bad. One it's, of the reasons why is yeah. because Tarantino's performance alone, like oh. right right there in that movie, is when I dialed out of Tarantino on screen. I was like, you know what? Um, no more. <laughs> Not just Eli Roth, which is always unbearable. It, but it is. It's so unbearable. You get both of them. You get the one-two punch of these two guys wanting to act, and it's Tarantino's trying to be cool, and it comes off as like, you know, a fat uncle that somebody should punch in the mouth or something. It's <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, it's uh, it's not very good. I can't remember if he did a cameo in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Did he? No, uh, I, I don't no. think he's. I don't think he's been on screen since Death Proof. I think that was the last time. I think it was. Uh, I think he hung it up. I might be wrong, but I don't think he's been wow. on screen since then. And that whole that whole poem thing with uh, not to jump back into Death Proof, but uh, yeah, just some of this stuff is not aged well for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well. But but the, the five bloods, you know, I mean, you know, give credit again. It's it's one of the things I love that Netflix can do. It's given filmmakers Absolutely. who I've loved, Martin Scorsese, Spike Lee, uh, Orson Welles, uh, who isn't even around. Yes, and, yes. You know, it's given these people a platform to make movies, and uh, they might not be masterpieces, but I w- I want to see another Scorsese movie. I want to see another Spike Lee movie. I want to see, you know, I want to see these movies and. Uh, the streaming services tend to be where these directors end up having to go nowadays, unless they want to make and, uh, comic book movies. And they become kind of, uh, what's what I'm looking for? They become an event yep. in this new world way, right? Yep. Where yep. Yep. the Five Blood, there's been this this anticipation in, in circles, right? So I know I've been quite excited. I, Irishman, there was a big buzz for. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I would be curious and I think that they tend to stay back and let the directors do their thing for the most part, uh, as long as they keep under budget. But this certainly um, feels yeah. like that, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. From the sound of it, it does. So, kudos to them. I mean, yeah. as much as sometimes you want to bemoan the state of things, um, if they're giving a voice and a platform to filmmakers we love, that otherwise, uh, like you said, unless you can open a, a big tentpole film, um, your uh, your prospects are getting. Slimmer and slimmer. So yep, yep. That's uh, so that's probably where you know. I'm actually surprised De Palma hasn't made something for a streaming service or something yet. I mean, I'm or Schrader has Schrader made anything for streaming? No. Well, I, I, feel I, like you might I think have. First Reformed, I think, didn't get released in theaters. I think it got released straight to video. So, I mean, because mm. these streaming services and digital services are essentially the video stores of the modern era, right? So, yep. Really, if you think about it, our favorite directors growing up, you know, our Scorsese's, our Spike Lee's, our Paul Schrader's. Are making straight to video films. Think about that for a minute. That's wild. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I don't even know how to, I, even when I say it out loud, it's crazy to me. Uh, it does sound baffling. <laughs> it does. All right. We're, that's enough of that. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think he, uh, every person will get different mileage out of Defy Bloods. Uh, I think some will like it more, some will like it less. Uh, I don't think it's divisive. I just think it's one of those things where. Uh, maybe the heat of the moment we're living in right now. It's certainly a movie of the times. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's certainly, I think, people that are going to 
uh, gravitate to it more heavily for those reasons. Um, um, but it's nothing that Spike Lee hasn't said before in his previous films. So, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that as a negative. I'm just saying that this stuff's been around forever. But sometimes when things are one of the reasons why I talked about Zeitgeist. Yes. Uh, sometimes when you when you have something going on and a film comes out at the perfect time for that. And again, I don't think Spike Lee, of all people, is exploiting this. He's been doing this his no. whole career. Um, it, um, a movie can have more poignancy than maybe it was intended to have. And there's certainly yeah. moments in this where it felt like that. So, And sometimes when we touch, the honesty is too much. That's right. I agree, man. I agree with that. Um, been agreeing with that now for 497 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's right. All right, we're gonna take a short break, and I guess you know with the seventy-seven here, I guess we got to roll the dice, man. What are we? What are we covering first here? Uh, Toddy, you've been silent. Toddy's choice. Let's let Todd, Doesn't matter to me. Let's let Todd choose. Let's let's let uh, Todd be the man on the on the platform to make this choice between these two drive-in seminal classics. Oh boy! Uh, yeah, what the hell? Let's go bare knuckles. All right, we'll be back right after this. breakdown that uh i had to get to that before i was gonna start turning down so michael height who we're gonna talk about is jamming until the break of dawn in this one yeah that's right some definitely some jamming going on in this one debbie jamon man all right um bare knuckles definitely not a spike lee joint uh even though she's a fan though but she might be a fan uh yeah i mean i wouldn't put it past him Certainly, uh, certainly, uh, a whole generation of filmmakers uh, would be a fan of this. I think. Uh, Bare Knuckles, nineteen seventy-seven. Don Edmonds returning to the show. I don't think. I don't think he's been on. I just turned myself down. 
while I was talking. That is podcasting 101. You do not do that. Um, <laughs> trying to turn something else down, I turn myself down. How about that? Uh, I guess he did Ilsa. Ilsa? She, she will. Yeah. yeah, so he hasn't been on the show since then. Um, didn't do a whole lot of films, but, you know, did a few. Uh, 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 memorable ones, to say the least. Uh, this one stars uh, Robert Vaharo. A uh, little Sherry Jackson action. Well, Gloria Hendry, who's uh, uh, she was the first African American female in a Bond movie. I think was the love interest, I believe. Uh, Live and let die. So that was a bit of a bit of some trivia there for you. Uh, also, get John Daniels back on the show, playing a character who, named Black, <laughs> and who I was. I don't know if this is his GGTMC debut. Is it? He, of course, of the um, much talked about never heard lost episode of the ggtmc candy tangerine man yes uh i don't know if it's his first time either we've never done black shampoo that's what he's kind of known for i feel like he which we, is a fun one yeah. yeah i feel like he may have been in something else we've done but i don't doesn't look like it doesn't look no. like we, so it's just one of those things where i mean a lot of his films could be covered on this yes. show pretty easily uh just looking at his filmography but yeah anyway um yeah so this this will be kind of fun to talk about i'm gonna try to do some of the international titles here uh, will wants me to hit them up yeah. a little bit so i'm gonna see what we got going on here you know obviously bare knuckles in the states uh, we got some uh, <laughs> that that finished title already is uh, yes. i don't even know where to go with that uh the greek title's fun detective whatever that is um <laughs> Man, I don't know. How about uh, that Swedish title, Zach's Lag? I know, Zach's Lag. <laughs> Zach's Lag. Turkish title, Demir Yummerk. Demir uh, Yummerk. And West German title, Action Man, obviously. Ein Mann, Ein Kampfer. <laughs> That's good. I mean, the first title even, Le Manikik. Le Manik. Le, ma- Le Maniak. Maniak. What does that mean? The, pa- the Maniac. <laughs> So this movie, we'll get into that. This, the the maniac itself. You kind of hinted at uh, that, uh, but uh, yeah. The, the, if, if you're a fan of people phlegm acting, then you would probably enjoy. <laughs> if you are a phlegm acting completist, boy, do we have a film for you. <laughs> there's, there's a we're gonna. That's probably gonna come up a couple times during the review here. <laughs> All right. Uh, did I lose everybody or did everybody just turn down because they're laughing so hard? <laughs> Todd, you still there? Yeah, man. <laughs> he's hissing silently. <laughs> yeah. He's uh he's hissing ever so silently trying to figure out his approach to that uh that one character. Uh I get you back in the rails, you threw me off fast. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Keto himself uh, doing some hiss acting as well. His trainer. <laughs> they have a hiss. They have a hiss off. Yeah, they do have a hiss off, man. With a training room with a fire pit in it. I don't know if I'd recommend that. You know, so that, that was that was the most GGTMC <laughs> training room. It was. Well, one of the one of the one of the reasons why I say that is, I mean, if you look closely, I think there's a set of golf clubs in the corner, which makes no sense. Uh, in a karate dojo, but hey, man. <laughs> and are they passing that Persian dude off as Chinese? 
Are Japanese? <clears throat> they're passionate. I think they're passing him off as passion. I think they're passing him off as something Asian, but he yeah, he's just he's just exotic. He's a, he's the exotic uh, butler slash karate instructor. Yeah, yeah. he's a black, yeah, yeah. he's a black belt in orange juice delivery. Is what this guy is. <laughs> yeah, he sure is, but not in that. <laughs> but not in Bloody Mary delivery, man. That's right. He's got oh, his man. white belt in, in Bloody Mary delivery. I will tell you that during the first murder scene in this movie that I rewound it at least three times to make sure that I was hearing a gentleman trying to basically do a cat hissing noise because I had totally forgotten. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the actual fuck is going on? <laughs> I mean, it's... It's something, let me tell you. All right, who wants to lead on this uh, this piece of drive-in uh, <laughs> nostalgia, <clears throat> for lack of a better word? <laughs> I think people, village, uh, village, village, I said. That's a new word. I like it, village. This movie has a lot of village. You can get a lot of village out of this one. Uh, uh, it's serving you violence. <laughs> it's serving you. Yeah. La manakique. Oh, you will. Have we ever come out of the gates? So, so dis- yeah, so disheveled. I don't know. This might be the first. Oh, this movie's man. already broken us, and we haven't even got going on it. I don't know who wants to lead on it. Todd, obviously, it's between me, Todd, and I. Todd, if you want yeah. to, uh, or if not, I will. It doesn't matter. I'm game. Uh, I'll leave it up to you. Know how you're feeling this morning? So, yeah. Let me let me plow through this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or hiss my way through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Careful, I'll, I'll hiss back. So, <laughs> the film starts in the middle of a, a knockdown drag out brawl. Um, it feels, I think, fairly realistic, and I think that's what can be said about most of the movie, uh, with certain obvious things being uh, outstanding on that. Yeah, uh, up, so, up to a point, yes. Yes, uh, Robert Paharo, He's uh, he's this. He's the classic bounty hunter who just doesn't play by the rules. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, you know, he jogs in his jeans. Uh, which, <laughs> dude, what the fuck? Pro tip: Don't dude. jog in jeans and a sweater. Yeah. Yeah, dude, you're gonna have so many. Uh, he's, that's gonna be a, a gold bond fucking moment yeah, right he's there. He's old school, man. He's a, he's a pizza loving, non filter cigarette smoking jogger. He's, right? he's he's old school, man. He does his body no favors. Yeah, no. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna give me some that's, cardio. That's not a temple. That's not man. a temple. No, that ain't man. It's an outhouse in this that's world. A cat fight. That's a yes. uh, <laughs> Oh shit. But you know, Baharo, he does have a certain uh screen presence, uh, yeah. I think, which yeah, yeah. I yeah. is is really only helped by the fact that he resembles William Smith. Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, like a lot. Yeah, more than uh, more than I remembered. Actually, I was watching and I was like, "Who's this guy reminding me of?" And yeah, and then it hit me. I was like, "Oh, he's kind of got a William Smith vibe." You know, a smaller it's either William him Smith. or that that one newer uh, porn actor who I can't <laughs> think of. His well, name. he certainly has a porn actor vibe too. I mean, oh god, he does. well that's the stash, <laughs> which yeah. in our realm gets you some points. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> indeed it does. Um, so this obviously, you know, this is he's like the all classic action heroes who live in a studio loft of some kind yeah. uh where he Arsley does his furnished. yeah where he yeah, where the you know there's like art going on and you know he's, he goes and he works out and then he's uh, we find out that he's also a world-class flautist oh man uh, i wish so, we had more of that 
Yeah, right. Yeah. It's just that yeah. one moment. And you're like, wow. What's come on? Yeah, that, more. more. I mean, it's literally like two seconds of screen time. It's it's one of those yeah. things where, you know, it's like the saxophone in Bulletproof, right? I mean, uh, well, I kind of got I kind of got to wonder if that's meant to be like some kind of a a, a callback or shout out to like Kwai Chang Kane. Yeah, I bet you it is. But that's a good call. It has to be, right? Um, I always like how that's, that's filmmakers a- feel like their their action heroes have to be a man of arts. You know, yeah. they have to either yeah, be yeah. painters on the side or well, because he's got to be a warrior poet, right? Yeah, that's he's right. Got, yeah. You know, he can't just be a grunt. <laughs> uh, so yeah. yeah, he does have uh, a, he does have a gentle touch on the flute. I must say, he does. Oh, yep. <laughs> so subtle. Um, so. It's uh, it's interesting that the uh, the film takes more time than usual uh, to kick its plot into gear. Uh, it takes about thirteen minutes or so, um, but I think that Edmonds uses that time to set up uh, Kane and Jennifer, the love interest, and to develop them a bit. Uh, of course, you know it then the movie then forgets about Jennifer until way later in the movie Enlarged, when she's yeah. needed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, at the same time, you know I I found that kind of interesting. Uh, when we are introduced to the serial killer angle, uh, his first kill is obviously intended to remind us of Kitty Genovese. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, totally, man. I, I yeah, couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. Which totally. was, which was 14 years, uh, prior to this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, you know, neighbors watch and do nothing. And then this brings in the, uh, the Gloria Henry character, uh, who is a lounge singer. Um, an, un- an underused Gloria Hendry, I might add. She yeah. really is, yeah, and that's is. kind of the thing. Well, her and John Daniels as well. I mean, both underused. Yeah, I mean, the, the movie doesn't really. It's weird how it it, uh, it kind of brings these things up, these interesting things up. Actually, the things that you would think that they would want to to you know play around with a little bit more, and then they just don't. Uh, which is odd, but it's also kind of you know it also kind of makes the movie a bit special in a way. Mm. Um, I love that. Go ahead, please. Sorry, forgive me. I was going to say, it, oh. it, in a way, it's a bit of a missed opportunity because, yeah. let's face it, at that era, you could have almost got away with some sneaky marketing. Oh, yeah. And and the, you could have had an alternate poster that would have been more appealing to an African-American audience. And it, it could have really played in that realm like um, across 110th Street or um, sure. Detroit 9000 where you have an interracial kind of buddy cop or not buddy cop, like a buddy action movie. And... It's it's a shame because I think the Daniels Vaharo uh, chemistry and stuff together on screen is really fun. Yeah, fun yeah, to yeah. Use, right, and then if you have a little more Hendry, who's who's quite competent, it's uh, you know, it classes the things up a little bit, adds a little more sizzle. But you know, what are you gonna do? It's still, so we, there's still some strong elements. <clears throat> Word. Uh, so I love that uh, that Kane uh, gives an ass pat and shares a smoke with Edith Massey. That's yes, right. uh, dude, that, that fucking hooker looked just like Edith Massey. Yeah. Oh, I was expecting her yeah. to start eating raw eggs. Um, that was as Edith Massey as a non-Edith Massey human being can be. Yeah, I don't exactly. know what it says about me, but I was hoping for a sex scene. But you know, I was kind of thinking that you were. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. he, he's like, got a Sammy searching that one out, yeah, buddy. The Sammy search. He's got to go way down the credits. It, <laughs> it's funny. Vaharo has a really great investigative technique where he flirts with hookers and goes to the hottest nightclubs. Yeah. And yes. Smokes. Yeah. Well, that's what you do. Yeah. That's what clearly, you do, man. He's it's, a man. Uh, yeah. He's a man who doesn't talk to anybody until he has to, and he talks that's to everybody. Right. <laughs> that's how you investigate. <laughs> that's yes. <necessary. laughs> 
because this is in it in a, in a way, it is a very pulpy. Oh yeah, it's, it's this weird mishmash of um, like a pulpy framework with a more exploitation seventies dressing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you know the weirdest vibe I got from this movie, and I, I'm going to say this out loud, and I bet it's going to hit you guys if it didn't hit you guys already. But do you feel like Freakin may have seen any of this before he did Cruising? Uh, <laughs> yeah. A little bit, yeah. Because there's some there's some Cruising stuff going on here, and I'm not talking just about the gay bar itself. I'm talking about the killer. The oh yeah. I mean, there's some weird similarities between this and Cruising that I had totally blanked on in some ways i'm not and again they're very dissimilar too in a lot of ways but there's certainly and again we could sit here and we could say this movie's like this i mean you could do that all day but i but i definitely while i was watching this you got a bit of a cruising vibe uh on a rewatch yeah i think so because it doesn't feel like it feels um somewhat authentic with the nightlife like i almost feel like they went to a club a few clubs while they were going on It, it wasn't that they got some extras to populate a dance floor. It mm-hmm. felt more authentic, whereas Cruisin' does feel more authentic because they shot in in some real gay bars and and kind of did they went into the world versus creating the world, whereas that's what this feels like too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, and there's, yeah, there's definite, uh, definite similarities uh, happening here. Um, of course, I... <laughs> Seeing as how nobody, uh, this movie wasn't exactly, uh, you know, a, a marquee uh, title um, that uh, that would draw a whole lot of uh, an audience. I, I don't think that uh, Friedkin may have uh, felt too bad about uh, pinching a little bit from it here and there, nope. uh, with a definite hiss towards uh, Mr. Don Edmonds. <laughs> uh, I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking this part. <laughs> So, uh, so you get Dean Kundi uh, as the director of photography, yes. and he—I I think that he makes the most of what he's got. Uh, there's a really great use of uh, shadows throughout the film. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, it looks fine. Uh, obviously, like we said, John Daniels shows up to get in on the action. He seems to be um, better dressed for the gay bar that they uh, they bust up than Kane does. Yeah. At first, when, uh, uh, that scene where John Daniels is running around, I'm like, man, this guy, he's working on his cardio. But then I think to myself, he's head to toe in leather. Oh, and yeah. he's running around chasing uh, people. He probably would be a little winded. He probably would be a yeah. little overheated. Because it, it wasn't air conditioned in that bar. <laughs> no. no. And oh, I, I, sure, I sure the smells were yeah. <laughs> delightful. Yeah, sour. Yeah, yeah you get that one character actor who we've seen in a few films. Uh, what's his name? Patrick Wright is the guy's yeah, name. Yeah, Patrick Wright. Oh, man. There's some subtle gay acting in this one. Oh, oh yeah, man. big oh, time. Man. Yeah. I can't even do an impression of it. They definitely are going for verisimilitude. Yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't even do an impression of it because I'm afraid I'll offend somebody. Because <laughs> yeah, even, it is even as swishy as yeah, swishy gets. Yeah, even I yeah. was somewhat offended. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and it takes it takes a lot to offend me. I mean, it's just, but, but I'm sitting there oh, watching, yeah, and I'm like, Jesus, this is a you know, wow, what a stereotype. <laughs> it, it's it's it, oh, Paul Lynn's Paul Lynn. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. yeah. In a big it way, it is. It's Rip Taylor and all over yes, the joint. Yes, yes, it totally is. It's funny too. You talk about that bar and those two, Vaharo and uh, Daniels. They're dressed so GGTMC. Vaharo's head to toe denim. Yep. And Daniels is head to toe leather. Yeah. Yep. With the fucking cowboy hat. With the cowboy hat, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I really, I think the movie picks up a lot. As yeah, much as I like Vaharo, uh, you know, again, he's not, he's not superstar. I would say, no. but 
perfectly adequate B movie, um, you know, lead. Um, like a B man, like a like a working man, Steve McQueen yeah. kind of stoic. Yeah, he works. Yeah, he works yeah. well. Enough. He smokes yeah. cigarettes well. He does all the things he needs to do. Yeah. Uh, but it, the movie does really pick up when him and Daniels kind of team up. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. They, no, they do make a good team. Yeah. And Although the, this is still very much Fajaro's film. It is. Well, it is up until a point. I feel like almost the the moment of the the first murder, for me, it almost becomes, yeah. uh, in in some weird way, it almost becomes the killer's movie. Yes, very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's very weird in that way uh, because you kind of don't expect it. It shifts gears and it turns into this, like, you know, usually in these movies, the killers, I mean, we got a mass killer here. Okay, guys, we got we got somebody in a mask with some breathing issues, and, uh, and some- well, he's another one dressed head to foot in leather. Yeah. So- oh yeah, and he's even got like a braided leather rat tasseled rat tail at the back of his mask. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Ew. But they decide to give that all away in the midpoint of the movie, and uh, that's that's a weird gamble, in my opinion. It takes the mystery out of the movie. But maybe maybe yeah. maybe it works because of the weird performance from uh I guess it's uh what's his name? Uh Michael Height. Michael Height. Yeah. Who went on to become a casting director and worked with the Cohen brothers. It's <laughs> that's, that's that's so weird. Amazing. Lord. <laughs> if, if I'm working on anything with that guy, I'm like, okay, you gotta tell me. <laughs> where <laughs> where did the phlegm breathing come from? That has to be a Don Edmonds thing or something because <laughs> I don't know where it, it comes from. Otherwise, was it the was it the keto guy, the guy, the actor? Oh with, man, the actor with one name in the movie who has, of Jeez. course, one name in real life. <laughs> he was a one and done too. He just did this, and that's it. <laughs> I can't imagine why. Man, JC, yeah, well, he looks like the kind of guy who would uh, be playing ethnic all over the place. But. Oh yeah, he he could have crafted like. Um, uh, I can't think of the guy's name. It doesn't matter. I don't want to slow down the review. But no, you're absolutely That's right. right. No offense to anybody that listens to the show, but he looks like a catfish noodler from Oklahoma or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I got no problems. With, I got no problems with that. By the way, I like catfish noodling. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, sounds pornographic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So while uh, while John Daniels is out <laughs> trying out for, <laughs> is trying out for the James Gang. Um, <laughs> We get uh, we get Will's prostitute quota filled uh, by the chick in the Roman massage joint. Yeah, oh, man. Um, we get yeah. a lot. We get a lot of prostitution quotas filled in this one. I know, right? Yeah, it's hard. Uh, it is. Yeah, it is as prostitute <laughs> quota get, filling as it's possible. To we get, get the good, the bad, and the ugly in this one. There, Oof, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of Cliff Curtis, sort of <laughs> a New Zealand actor. Yeah. Okay. For okay. what's his name there, Jace or JC? It's sort of. You know, anyway. Yeah, he does remind me a little bit. There's, yeah, like Cliff Curtis obviously works a lot, and he's really good. But the, the, I could see Cliff Curtis doing this performance as a, in a comedy with Ben Stiller or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh man. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Todd. Sorry, we keep cutting. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, so yeah, uh, <laughs> of course, <laughs> the villain's name is Devlin. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but uh, you know he he does get to develop like uh, like Sammy said the the movie does shift gears, um, so he's clearly you know sick in the head, 
uh, but this is aided by his mother's wealth that uh, you know kind of sweeps shit like this, uh, like this or like uh, like affluenza, the affluenza teen yeah. mm-hmm. uh, under the rug, uh, and that's part of what's going on in the movie. He also has a very uh, not healthy relationship with his mother. Oh yeah, uh, and dude, when he kissed her, <laughs> and there's that little spit string that comes off, I was just like, yeah. oh yeah. man. Yeah. That's My a, stomach rolled a little uh, bit on yeah, that. Yeah, it didn't for me too. Although there is uh, some, you know, I think my note is a debt uncomfortable breakfast scene. I mean, right? it oh, is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's uh, first of all, you got keto bringing the juice, and then you got uh, height delivering some juice on the lips there, bay. It's uh, oh man, and juice. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I and mean, this so, is again that goes back to my saying. I mean, we even if we don't know. From the fingerless gloves, which we should say, yes, we got to get that out there. If we don't know from the fingerless gloves, because I mean, this guy's badass. He's so badass, he reads the paper with fingerless gloves on. He does, and you know, you know, you got to be a badass to do that. Um, It doesn't like paper cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be careful. You can't get them creases. Uh, Uh He is, he's full tilt, sick in the head, and you know that. Uh, right from there, uh, the only thing that's kind of fun about that is where it goes from there. Like right, I right, said, right. the uh, the dojo scene and stuff like that makes it kind of interesting. Well, yeah, but he's yeah because he's he's also you know along with being you know kind of just whacked uh, is that he's also very much a comic book villain. Very much so. Uh, yeah. You know the the way that he talks. You know the training with his ethnic manservant Keto. You know the <laughs> the costume he wears when he's on the prowl. Uh, all of that ties together yeah. uh, to make him into very very much a comic book uh, a comic book guy. Um, of course, you know things eventually get personal, uh, and this uh, this leads to a decent chase scene uh, that has a lot of crates getting destroyed, but no fruit stands. Um, and then that leads into the finale. And, you know, I was kind of, I got to admit, I was kind of a little bit shocked that it went as hardcore as it does just yeah. before we get to the, uh, the finale part yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing that I like about the movie is that, you know, it does, it does, uh, have a couple of, uh, nice little tweets, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. that it, uh, that it pulls out, pulls out the back of its pants and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, make gets to work. Uh, the movie works pretty darn well, uh, all things being equal. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the only Don Edmonds movie I've ever seen. I've never seen any of the Elsa movies, uh, so I'm completely uh, unfamiliar with him with his uh, filmography. Uh, but yeah, no, this one I've seen twice now. So yeah, <laughs> figure that out. Um, <laughs> nice. You know, you get and you get that uh, that lone fingerless glove at the end of the movie. Oh yeah, uh, you know, that, a little sad. No, yeah. that that, uh, that so, moment where you re- you think to yourself in logistical terms, you think to yourself, how much impact must someone have to lose a glove? Yeah, right. <laughs> do, do, I don't know that they have Velcro back then. Uh, so, yeah. or were they just like spandex? We should say that chase uh, scene too. That's the L.A. River, the very famous, the basin or whatever. Yeah, yeah the, um, the LA basin. that we've seen yeah. in about I don't know a hundred to a thousand movies. Yeah, I mean you've. You've seen that in who knows how many films, let's be honest. Grease is one of the, obviously for me, it's one of the most memorable ones, but. Well, here's the thing, though. I don't think, I can't remember the last time I've seen it in a movie, like a modern movie. No, I know. It feels like, maybe. yeah, they've kind of. It's just, maybe. it's done. It's Terminator, a relic of the time. I'm going to say maybe Terminator 2 or maybe 
Maybe, yeah. There may yeah. be a Tony Scott movie in there we're forgetting about. Tony Scott yeah, liked it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Tony Scott liked to head there every now and then. Well, when you can make every one of your backgrounds CG, and you could just, everything could be on an alien planet, then sure. who the hell needs the L.A. Basin? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, but the LA, I, guess is, but, I guess is the prevailing. Yeah, but I, the, the, it's one of those things where it's like I'm surprised, like somebody like Tarantino or somebody who loves movies, right, hasn't jumped back in there because it's such a staple. Yeah. You, yeah. you guys that are listening to us talk about it right now, you know what we're talking about without knowing what we're talking about. Even if you don't know, I mean, if you see it, you'll be like, "Oh, I feel like I've seen this somewhere before." Yes, it's one of those true. locations that it just pops up in movies every now and then. You're like, "Oh, we're back in that place." But yeah, I mean, yep. talking about Tarantino, I'm kind of surprised he didn't uh, pop it into uh, Once Hollywood? Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, one of the things that I love is that this movie is uh, it's simultaneously grim and serious and ludicrous and generic uh, all at once. Um, I think it does a pretty damn good job balancing itself. Uh, and I think that uh, you can feel the care that went into what's essentially uh, just a cheap exploitation movie. Yeah. Um, but it counts. I, I mean, the movie it does. The movie works better than it should have. I mean, like I said, uh, when we were picking this, I, I did this on the blog, uh, what, like seven years ago, something like that. It's I don't crazy know. the amount of like amazing shit you've covered on the blog over the years. <laughs> yeah, it's too many. Uh, I think it's like almost 400 movies at some point or another. Uh, but I, it's, I've even gone back and looked at stuff I wanted to check out, and it leads us to the blog. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, There's all faithful, man. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. Well, you know, even a, even a broken clock is right twice a day. I'm not, a, um, I'm not 100% positive, but I seem to think that Refn may have used the L.A. River and Drive a little bit. I'm saying with the kid, that. isn't there like a montage you scene with the? the I feel kid like and, uh, uh, there might even. I feel like there might be a sequence in there. I'm not positive. This is worth. This is worth googling, and I'm going to be working on that when when next time somebody leads on a review. <laughs> yeah, I feel like maybe maybe Carrie Mulligan and the kid are in the car, and the hero songs playing or something. They're right. I don't know. I'll check yeah, it maybe. out. I'll check into it. I'm, I'm trying to think of modern films. I know there's probably a Tony Scott in there somewhere, but. I would imagine, but yeah, nothing is jumping to mind. Reffin wouldn't surprise me though, because obviously he's a film nerd, and mm-hmm. it would yeah. make sense if he's in L.A. It would make sense that you know, maybe it was in that, oh, yeah. uh, maybe it was in that other film we watched of Reffin's that uh, the model, Neon Demon. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's neither here nor there. Let's just let's keep going. Sorry, sorry. No, we, no problem. We no could problem. sit here uh, and pontificate about the L.A. River all day, Mayor. Oh, you can. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much all the notes that I got on it. So. Um, One of you cats wants to jump yeah, on in. I'll jump in here. Uh, I do like the way it opens. It opens with, uh, you know, a nice uh, bare knuckle fist fight. So you think yeah. you, you know what you're in for, uh, but you're not. But you really don't, yeah. Because I mean, the the term bare knuckles really is just a kind of an aggressive title. I mean, outside of the opening, it's not really. I mean, obviously there's some fight scenes and stuff, but it's it's not really like a thing. You know, you you suck about Dean Cundy, which is awesome. It's always great to see his name. Uh, Buck Flowers in here as a production uh, guy, and he's in the movie yeah, a little he's, bit. He's supposed he's to be ass- in it, but I, I can't think of. Well, he's in a. He was the assistant director for the film. Yeah, and Deborah Hill's Deborah, in here. Yeah, yes, as uh, the right. script supervisor. So this is, yeah. you know, all three of those folks are going to work with John uh, Carpenter. So it's very interesting to kind of see that uh, those Carpenter names connection. pop up. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, you know, it, this this was a drive-in movie. I was only five or six years old, and I remember the poster for this movie. Um, we had a couple of local drive-ins, and I never saw it, unfortunately, as a, as a young man. Or maybe fortunately, depending on your taste. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things. I, I got to ask the question, man. Uh, you know, 77, 78, weird year fashion-wise. But uh, was there ever a time when wearing a belt around your shirt was uh, a thing? Unless you were a, a swashbuckler or something, you know? I, I Yeah, I don't know. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what he's going for there. Uh, but, you know. He's disheveled. He's got his shirt. So wait, on. I should stop doing that. <laughs> yes, well, well, not you, <laughs> but you know, obviously. But uh, you know, I, one of my favorite exchanges in this movie is, you know, the uh, Kane as in Abel. Kane is in this. And he's like Kane is in Blind Man's. And it's like, yeah. what the, the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I have no idea. By the way, yeah. Bob Vajaro, that's not how you spell blind man's cane. You don't spell it with a K-A-N-E. <laughs> but uh, we got to say, you know, the Bob Vajaro, man, uh, pickup line, uh, how about a pepperoni and mushroom? I mean, this yeah, guy is so cool under pressure uh, he gets pepper- at, he gets at the Pizza Hut. Yeah. Pizza. And this is back in the day when you went to Pizza Hut to eat, right? This is the yeah. – yeah. we've talked about this on the show before. This is when Pizza Hut was a set-down restaurant. Yep, yep, it sure was. And then a salad bar, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is when you went to the Pizza Hut. You, you, Dude, know, the, you never get the salad bar. You'll yeah. load up on nope. that. You'll never want to have any of your pizza. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. But, but people would uh, go <laughs> to the pizza. Get yeah, go, people it. would go to the Pizza Hut. You know, it would be a family night out, eat the Pizza Hut. And uh, so, you know, he picks up the pepperoni and mushroom. And he's so cool under pressure, like I said, that he sees, watches the girl walk away. And he gets a slice of pizza out. And he knows she's coming back. Oh yeah, that's right. He's oh. just he's PC just that cool. Confidence. That's the Vaharo boomerang, man. <laughs> I gotta say, I love that little that little performance from that uh, kind of shitty boyfriend character of hers, and <laughs> he's kind of yeah. fun. I don't know who he is, but he's kind of fun. He's giving like mo- a Dan Hedaya kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. he's got <laughs> this kind of little bit. He's just got a this, little. He's got this kind of weird accent too. He's like, oh yes, of course. You know, it's just kind of <laughs> strange. It's almost like that that homosexual performance. It's it's so weird. Yeah. Um, again, like we said, the return of the Can Tangerine Man, John Daniels on the show. It never really been on the show outside of a review that we did where we had some fun. We watched a really incredibly, maybe the murkiest of all prints we've ever watched yeah. for a show. And uh, that's saying something. Uh, that is saying something. Let me tell you, because we've watched some pretty you, rough ones. <laughs> yeah, oh, we've watched a ton. For all you young kids that are spoiled with the Candy Tangerine, Candy Tangerine Man Blu-ray, this was a muddy ass fucking transfer yeah i mean i could barely tell what the what car he was driving it was so muddy but we we uh we reviewed that unfortunately we lost it but it is uh maybe maybe at some point we'll come back around and conquest yeah yeah yeah, there's that that was a fucking that man you had you you had me on the ropes during that review man yeah yeah that conquest review. that was was, a good one that's sad that that one's gone because that one's (sighs) man (laughs) it was so much fun with that one um, that was like one of the first times I think we brought up the Fulci fog, but we lost it. And then we brought yep. it up on another film because Fulci loved fog. Uh, <laughs> the sa- the salad days of the GGTMC. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Uh, with a movie, a fantasy movie, mostly shot in an Italian parking lot, uh, <laughs> and, and with heroes jumping off ladders into frame. Yeah, there was a lot of that. <laughs> so much of that. Um, again, we talked about the breakfast scene. Uh, I gotta say, uh, I know this is probably not going to be a surprise for you two and maybe not to a lot of listeners, but, uh, I really wanted to see more of uh, mom. She was uh, quite attractive. I thought, 
Oh, yeah, uh, no, she, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was like, all oh, right. And then when he kissed her, I was like, okay, maybe we're going somewhere here. Maybe I am going to see, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I am going to see more of mom. But uh, right, I did not, man. unfortunately. I saw more of uh, keto. <laughs> Dirty than, uh, yeah. yeah. So one of the moments in the movie that's kind of fun is uh, the training sequence between keto and oh, uh, Richard, Big whatever time. his name is. So they decide to kind of spar, uh, and it's uh, already, you know, you get the whoosh, all that kind of stuff we already <laughs> kind of made fun of and laughed about. Battle, That's how yeah. he channels his key. Yeah, but these, yeah. These, or whatever. these two guys doing it to each other, <laughs> it, it is, it's, it's like. Dude, there's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of homoerotic in this movie besides the actual scenes in the homosexual bar uh so yeah it's it's not really surprising the, i think that's where the cat of, thing came from yeah well yeah. i mean there is there's this weird thing too that like the richard devlin character the michael height he the, his his technique is very I don't know. It's almost like a shadow puppet with his hands and stuff. <laughs> but, He's got this. And, <laughs> Go ahead, Will. <laughs> no, and I was going to say, and yet his speed and power even amazes him. That's right. <laughs> That's why, yeah, he, he takes the time to mention that. Which, when he was in the hospital, he yeah. just had all that time to train. You may have yes. heard in the beginning of the show, if you recall, I don't like it when characters have to explain something to me, but I do like it. When bad guys explain how much better they've gotten at something because That's of something right. else. <laughs> because at that point, it really makes no sense. You got to understand, right. Keto. Even I don't understand my power now. <laughs> and Keto's like, <laughs> and he's, he's trying to throw a few Bruce Lee sounds and faces in there, too. I'll say All this, big, man. Big. In the era of coronavirus, this fight is no good. No. <laughs> no, man. This fight would not be approved by the CDC. A lot of flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not to make light of that. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, it's man. the phlegm no. flying around, the amount of spit and spittle. That the is amount going. of vapor and moisture. Uh, it, it, it is a very GGCMC training seat like i said fireside and i'll tell you what that floor felt looked and sounded so unforgiving (laughs) man it's a weird moment too because i mean like i said the richard height or richard devlin character the michael height character the michael height performance uh he shows no athletic grace whatsoever but yet it it feels somehow like it works and i don't know why Uh, Keto at least looks interesting. The Jason yeah, character. Does. I mean, he at least looks interesting. Uh, he's not a thespian of any sort or anything like that, but he's fun in that way that uh, that these actors can be, and that he's a uh, he, he's uh, got that look. And he has a look, and he commits to a small performance that he doesn't half-ass it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things I like about the movie. I feel like everybody kind of commits to their own little like yep. you know niche in this movie right Absolutely. the massage girl she's very much a stereotype but she commits mm-hmm. the uh, first girl that gets murdered she really goes for it oh yeah and she's wearing the jumpsuit that 70s jumpsuit those uh amazing those uh, jumpsuits that they wore and i mean the film does i feel like it starts out pretty strong and stuff i feel like you know it's, it's just weird that it plays its hand i'm not mm-hmm. saying that i needed the mystery uh, I'm certainly don't need that, and I'm thankful for what I get. I, I love the breakfast scene. I love that scene we just talked about, the dojo scene. 
And mm-hmm. I love that we know who the bad guy is. I just found it odd that they decided to go that route because, you know, it seems like they'd want to hang on to the mystery some. And Yeah. I almost wonder if they needed to stretch the movie out so they felt like they could show some, they could flesh his character out and, and plumb the psychological depths and yeah. about 15, 20 minutes of, of runtime. It, it almost has so. to be that because, I mean, otherwise I, I don't understand. I mean, I mean again, Vaharo's fine. Uh, Daniels is fine. And, yeah, and the little performances here and there are fine. The Sherry Jackson performance and the Gloria Hendry. I agree mm-hmm. with you. There needed to be more Gloria Hendry, probably than there needed to be Sherry Jackson. But they're both fine. Oh yeah, yeah. And their little performance. Uh, it's weird. The, the Gloria Hendry thing too is strange in a lot of ways because, I mean, she gets a moment, right? She gets a mm-hmm. a moment where she's looking out the you know Kenny Genovese thing. She's looking out the window, and she knows this character somehow, some way, and. And we are kind of left in the dark with that. And there's a husband character or a boyfriend character, and she's going to leave. And I mean, he looks really upset. Of course, he should be. Everybody just witnessed a murder in the street. Yeah. Um, but he's kind of just let that drop. Like he's more worried about the relationship at this point. He's not worried about the murder he just saw. It's just a really awkward, kind of strange moment. But I remember thinking to myself, "Wow, that's that's Gloria Hendry. I haven't seen her in anything in a while." And I remember her, again, as a bit of a trivia note, as being this kind of a, you know, it was a big deal that she was a Bond girl. Um, mm-hmm. Because, again, uh, typically not African-American Bond girls. They're typically of some other, they're typically white-skinned, and they're typically of some other nationality. They're typically not African-American or African or yeah. whatever the case may be. Um, mm-hmm. So that was nice just to kind of see her again. Um, and I had forgotten watching this. I had totally forgotten that John Daniels was even in the movie. So when I saw his name, I was like, oh, I wonder if that's the John Daniels I think it is. And I saw the name as Black. I'm like, oh, well, it almost has to be. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then sure enough, he pops up on screen. And I'm like, oh, he's always kind of fun to see him. Oh, uh, big time. Because he, you know, he kind of fits into an era of filmmaking. And this, in a lot of ways, this is a black exploitation movie, right? With a white lead. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of fits in between, right? You can yeah. kind of sell it either way, you know. Yeah, it's just weird that Vaharo. It's not. It's it's both okay that he's the lead, and it's kind of weird that he's the lead. I don't know how else to explain that outside of that. I mean, he fits certainly within the realm of what we're going for here, but at the same time, it feels like they maybe should have went for more of a name, and I don't well, know why they didn't. Let me ask you a few flip-flop things. Is the film better served with John Daniels as Zach Kane? I, I think I would have liked it more. Yeah, I think it would have added a little juice to it. I mean, uh, again, we've said Vaharo is fine. Yeah, but I like, I I like the novelty. natural charisma. Yeah, I like the novelty of this being a Vaharo film. Yeah, oh, of course. There's that There's that kind of schlubby, yeah. like uh, Tony Tilliner's Scorpion yeah, you know novelty yeah. to it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like the like I said, I like the novelty of it, and you know, think you know about Bob Vaharo and and you know this guy from Milwaukee who you know ends up being an action star in a '70s exploitation movie. I like the whole novelty of that, but at the same time, um, he he carries enough weight to carry the movie, but yeah. maybe not as much as I think somebody else could have carried in in that performance and. You know, the 70s weren't lacking for macho leads. No. But then again, maybe they were, you know, they went on the cheap and maybe they thought they were turning Vaharo into one. Because, again, he does hold his own yep. uh, in the movie. So, uh, you know, again, maybe that's what they were trying to do. 
And maybe maybe Vahara was behind more of it than I think, because you know he is a he has uh, directed some and written some in his career. So maybe he uh, maybe he was tied to it a little bit more, and I just didn't do enough research. But that might have something to do with it. But he's still around, Bob Vahara. I don't know if he works much anymore. I didn't see he's done a lot of television. I see him from time to time. Like 2008 was the last thing he did. Um, I see him from time to time, especially on like a rerun of a television show I used to watch or something. I can't remember what it was. It was some show I watched, but he was he popped up in it, and I thought, oh yeah, of course, because he was in a ton of those. You know, he always popped up when I was growing up. He popped up in a lot of episodes of television my mom and dad would watch. So that's how I remember him mostly outside of this film. So I don't have a whole lot more to add. I think the film is perfectly entertaining, though. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not a certainly not a masterpiece, but uh, you could do a lot worse. Uh, it is a bit sloppy, and again, it's a weird play to show your hand so kind of early in the story but i think will brings up a good point maybe they felt like they had to um maybe they felt like they didn't have enough before that the heavy's not heavy enough but at the same time he's bizarre enough uh that he he's interesting so yeah he's <laughs> colorful that. yeah and he, he he does go for it right and that's yeah i gotta you know, give always want to see yeah you don't you don't have to be nuanced but you got to bring energy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. That's all I got. Will. Okay. So, yeah, you guys have certainly covered a lot of good stuff. Um, this one's kind of been uh, infamous in our circles. I think, if I remember correctly, the first time I heard about this, Sammy, I, if I remember correctly, was it a, a camping weekend with everyone? And you guys screened it. Did you not? Like with Matt and Randy and uh, don't remember. Uh, Living Podcast people. Was that one of the ones you guys? I felt like you guys watched it and it was just right. bonkers. Or, and then Sean and Jason and those guys later on. I don't remember. Honestly, I don't remember. I don't recall. It might have been but more. Anyway. Might have been. Might have been Sean and Jason in some uh, exhumed films festival thing. They might have watched it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I remember that when they watched it, they said, "This is like you guys got to cover this. This is so GGTMC." Um, which, it, yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, it definitely is. <laughs> it definitely is, and it's weird because it's. It's. I think if we can take away where we're at and how we've become conditioned to. Um, look at action movies. This is 1977, so for the time, this is a pretty pacey action movie in a way, right? Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of times, the action genre, as we came to know and love it, wasn't around until you know the 80s, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, this is pretty pacey. It you know it's it's action, it's crime. You get kind of some horrific elements, exploitation. There's kind of a lot going on with this one, um, and yes, it's um, it's not a high glossy kind of production, but it's as you guys had said. I think you'd said, Sammy, everyone commits, which that can kind of carry you across the finish line a lot more successfully than some half-ass production, right? Where it's like, well, what's the point then? If you're going to do it, you know, bring some energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you might as well. Um, uh, Zach Kane, fighter, lover, flautist, <laughs> local wine merchant. Exactly. Amazing. Uh, yeah, so we have, as you guys had said, this might be the first hissing assailant or hissing. You got to love, you know, the New York Ripper has the, the duck quack killer. This guy's <laughs> a cat, the cat screech or the cat hiss. Mm. Which is amazing. <laughs> 
And I don't know if we we, we kind of really barreled uh, off the tracks out of the gates on this one. Um, but did we even? This might have the most GGTMC synopsis of all time. A bounty hunter in Los Angeles sets out to track down and stop a masked serial killer who murders women by using kung fu moves. That is accurate. That is as GGTMC as you can get with a synopsis. Yeah. Um, I always get this film confused sometimes, this film in particular, with those those killer be-killed films. There was two... Oh, the Stephen Chase, uh, the oh, South African movies. Yes, yeah. yes. Killer be killed, kill and kill again. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Good call. And and when it, even when, even when uh, Will picked it, I thought, okay, well, I remember John, uh, John, and uh, and Alex talking about this loafing zom for <laughs> those who don't know who we're talking about. <laughs> I remember them talking about uh, those films because those were pretty big drive-in films too. Those uh, killer be killed and uh, kill and kill again films. Huge, uh, I love them. Yeah, and uh, they're they're kind of silly, but so I thought, okay, well, we'll watch. I, I've seen those not too long ago, and then I uh, started watching Bare Knuckles, and I'm like, oh no, 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 this is the other one. This is the other. Yeah. Thing. So, that's funny. Um, we get a re- at that gay bar. We get a really strong Prince Valiant cut. Oh yeah. <laughs> Prince Valiant, the trifecta. Prince Valiant cut, heavy mustache. Ruffly shirt, mm. but that is a really strong Prince Valiant. Um, and I'll tell you what, that gay bar man, th- it doesn't take much to get that whole bar going nuts and start swinging fists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's almost I like mean, a Burt Reynolds level of, uh, or I should yeah, say, Hal yeah. Needham level of it uh, is very Hal Needham to go uh, excitement gay, going on, gay bar on was, edge. It is. It's a very aggro. It's a very aggro <laughs> gay bar, man. It's. Uh, it was nuts. It just sounds um, funny to say that, but I mean, yeah, it is true. It is very much that that Burt Reynolds bar on edge type thing, except with the, uh, you know, the fact that the patrons are homosexual. But it's it's very much that same. You know, I mean, that's that's a Hollywood standard from years, right? For years and years and years, the the bar uh, fight that breaks up. Oh, yeah. And listen, I'm not saying it certainly in a way to be clear. And I know you guys didn't take it this way where it should be effeminate and mincing. But it's just like it, even if this was like a in a Western or something that's considered um, conventionally macho, even by those standards, like to see this many patrons start swinging fists and jumping in that quickly. It's like, holy fuck. <laughs> Everyone's getting in on it. Um, yeah, but we, we, we talked about the the costume design of uh, our, our killer, like the gimp outfit with like this leather suede rat tail and fingerless gloves. And it's quite a look. It's quite a look. Um, I'm trying to give you guys some updates here. Transformers, the Italian job, the new one, the dark Knight rises, some other films. Oh, with, uh, yeah. Some the basin other, or whatever. The- yeah. Yeah. Uh, Escape from New York. If you remember the beginning of that, that shot in the basin. Yep. So quite a quite a bit of stuff. I'm trying to look for more uh, modern stuff, but uh, Dark Knight Rises is pretty modern. Pretty modern. Yeah. Uh, yeah, within the past 10, 15 years, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, how about this when he says to the mother, you'll go on as if life always was. Sunday brunches and sex orgies. Just yeah. like always. Sounds good to me. Sounds yeah, amazing. buddy. I'm not, um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not averse to any of that. No, that's a pretty amazing... Uh, Pretty amazing way to spend your weekend. Here's a couple others. To live and die in L.A. 
No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that had to have it. Like that one had of, to have. One it. of me and Will's favorites, Blood in, Blood out. Yeah, yeah. Milky. Blue Thunder shot there. Drive was uh, there is scenes in Drive that are yeah, I uh, in feel the like the kid with his hand, I think he's got his hand out the window. It's kind of slowed down. That hero song's playing. Yeah. Point blank and point break. So how about that? <laughs> Both. My <laughs> wife wants to revisit point, uh, which I'm surprised we've never covered on the show, point break. How have we never covered that? Uh, I, honestly, I'm just waiting for a really solid. I know there's some blues out there and everything else. I'm just waiting for a really solid release. I mean, I think that's a very GGTMC movie. But at this point, I can't pick it because I've picked so much Busey. You- that uh, it's there's another Busey performance that I absolutely love in that movie. <laughs> oh yeah. So oh, yeah. I need to give it some time to breathe, there, buddy. True. Oh, very true. Uh, we get a rooftop. We get a rooftop drumstick versus knife battle. Yeah. Um, which is fun, and I got to say too, we get a few stalking kill scenes, but there's a few sequences where at least they add a bit of diversity to them, where it's not just stalking kill, stalking kill. There's a few moments when like boyfriends jump in, then they get killed, and you know it. Uh, it's good. They, they get to spice it up, mix it up. Um, another GGTMC staple in this, of sorts. We get a mostly shirtless interrogation scene slash torture scene. Nice, Zach. Yep. Um, and Zach Kane, man after our heart. Not only does he run in a sweater and jeans, but he shows up uh, to the the swanky party wearing a turtleneck and a blazer. Sure. Mm-hmm. Why Big would time. you? It was Amazing. the 70s, man. only thing that would have made him... I mean, obviously, he could have wore a jumpsuit, I guess. Mm. Oh, God. Well, he would have needed the uh, the patches on the elbows. Elbows, yes. The touch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I love... Again, I love how worked up Devlin is in this. Like, he just... He's <laughs> so... on, Like, just bananas. It's really fun. Um, and I got to say, that bike versus car chase, it's pretty good. It yeah. is good. Yeah, it yeah, is good. It works. For a film of this budget, like it's pretty good, man. I mean, you get some kind of SoCal suburbs and uh, just some some corridors and stuff. It looks really good. And like you said, Todd, we don't get the fruits in, but we get a whole lot of boxes. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, a car explosion, and I mean, at the end, we get almost a spaghetti western esque showdown with these extreme close ups of faces and. Even the score itself at times feels like this. You know when Ennio Morricone would do like a really bizarre kind of scoring for a film with like blurps and bleeps and yeah. just kind of weird stuff. It's a mix of that and like a bit left field Herbie Hancock at times. I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting one. But those are all my notes. You guys covered yeah. a lot of ground already. It, it's a it's a weird kind of funky score too. I mean, it's yeah, again, it totally it's, is. I, you really get a black exploitation vibe from the movie, even though it doesn't have a black exploitation lead. I mean, you really do get that vibe. Yeah. And again, yeah, Don, do. Don Edmonds is working. You know, this is a this is a director who worked in the exploitation area. Oh so yeah. Even though I don't think he's known for any that I can think of any black exploitation films, no. uh, he's certainly known for exploitation films. Yeah. So he knew what sold, and uh, you know that seventies kind of funky soundtrack was pretty popular oh yeah all right let's get into make or breaks mvts we got todd all righty um uh mvt i'm gonna go with Edmonds. uh i really like how he blends all of this uh this stuff good and bad together uh and he really gets it to work uh, as well as it does 
Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know until I did research. I don't know how I didn't know this, but the Don Emmons was a co-producer on True Romance. Was he really? Yeah, I had no idea. Damn. No clue. That, that was a bit of a piece of trivia. Speaking that I found of Tony out. Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that weird? That's crazy. I didn't know yeah. that at all. Nice. Um, make or break. I'm going to go with uh, uh, Breakfast with the Devlins. Uh, <laughs> I think that it uh, it elevates the film a bit with its transgressive <laughs> angle, uh, and then that re- that uh, that transgressiveness kind of remains throughout the re- uh, the remainder of the movie. So nice. I like that. And score for me. Uh, um, I'm gonna go seven out of ten. Nice, uh, nice, nice. Yeah, I like I like this thing. Yeah, no, it's a good time. I, I mean, I, that's what I came away from it with. Uh, my MVT, uh, I'm gonna go with Edmonds as well. I think he puts together a pretty fun uh, little movie here. Fajardo's good. Jen Daniels is good. I mean, all the actors are good for what they're doing. Um. But yeah, I feel like Edmonds, you know, it's, it's, again, it's a weird choice. Like I said, I've said several times now to kind of play your hand as early as you do, but I think you do that because you, you kind of have to, to keep it moving. I, I think Vaharo is interesting, but I don't know if he's interesting enough to carry 90 minutes or a hundred minutes. So, uh, I think it might've worked out. I do wish the, as much as I love the Michael Height performance, uh, I do wish they would have cast a, a a little bit more of a a, a heavy for the heavy, like yeah, a good yeah. kind of more imposing kind yeah. of creepy as opposed to a bit schlubby and yeah would have been nice if it had been but, William Smith itself, but then that would have oh, been weird. Man, that would have been like Bizarro <laughs> yeah. versus Superman, yeah. where you're rooting for Bizarro in a way. Yeah, but you kind of want have, you know you want yeah. uh, we've often talked about this right. You want your heavy to be. As interesting, if not more interesting than your hero, because you, you know you're gonna you're gonna have to go up against this insurmountable type force, and in this regard, maybe again, this is why they show their hand. Obviously, Baharo is more the insurmountable force, so yeah, you know, they, we start to focus on the villain, and it's kind of weird, but yeah, I'll go with Edmonds. My make or break, uh, mm, I got to go with the dojo scene, man. I tell you. That is a scene you will not forget anytime soon if you see it. Uh, you'll be his quoting uh, <laughs> while you're making eggs uh, or while you're doing anything, but please wear your mask because <laughs> you'll get yes. spittle everywhere. Uh, but it's 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 unforgettable. Uh, it's one of those scenes in a movie that uh, you know you won't forget. Period. <laughs> Even though that breakfast with the Devlins is. Uh, <laughs> Breakfast. I love that breakfast with the Devlins. It sounds like a like a stage play or yeah. a, a sitcom or something. Yeah, I, I definitely want that movie. It's funny yeah. you say sitcom. That's what the Michael Height. That's what he reminds me of. He reminds me of a guest star on like an episode of Three's Company or something. <laughs> or like the Love Boat. Yeah, he yeah. totally does. But instead of a heavy, that's what he reminds me of. Really. So yeah. Um, my score just a little bit lower than Todd. Six point seven five. I could fall in that seven category. I mean, it's right in there. Uh, definitely in the same ballpark uh good fun movie uh maybe just a tad over long in some spots but i mean it's just that would be just nitpicks at this point really um it is it is fun uh in that way only a filterless cigarette pizza hut eating jogger would enjoy oh yeah all right amazing my make or break that first kill uh like i said it's it's 
pretty pretty nasty, but we get the this bizarre looking killer and the hissing and everything and it just um yeah, it, it's just, just bonkers. Uh, my MVT, I, you know, I could go with Edmonds, but I want to go with the thing that really made it for me, and I, I, it was almost a tease, and I've mentioned it already, is is the chemistry between Daniels and Vajaro. Uh, I really liked that in the film, and I wish I had been more of it. I wish, you know, it, it was cool when they finally meet up and, and start working together, but I felt like that was a bit of a missed opportunity to give it more of a... Uh, more of a co-lead role as opposed to a supporting role for Daniels because he's I think he's someone that I lament he didn't work more eight credits to his name had a charisma could have at the very least been a good B-level uh, lead leading man so uh, yeah and my score it's funny when we started this review my score was a 6.5 and as we've been talking I keep scratching out and scratching out <laughs> Um, just because I think about the fun uh, that I had talking about with you guys and some of the stuff uh, as I was watching it, maybe I didn't appreciate as much. But my score, I ended up uh, right in pretty much in lockstep with you guys, slightly higher, which can be expected. I'm now at a 7.25 out of 10. Nice. Um, nice. I don't think it's Pantheon. Some people would say this. Is, I don't think it's Pantheon, but it feels no, like no. it feels like a, a scrappy, well-intentioned intercontinental champ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think this is one of those ones where, like, if I was hanging out with you two guys and watching it. Oh, yeah. Like, it was. You can watch it with an film. audience. Yeah. It's an audience film. It's definitely one of those. Yeah. Especially like minded folks. It's, uh, it's one of those moments where you just sit around and cackle. Yep. Oh, big time. Definitely. Uh, okay. We're going to take a short break. Yeah. Or you do that noise. <laughs> <laughs> but from now on. If you hiss to any of your friends, if you've watched this together, you have a laugh for life. (laughs) Certainly do. Uh, All right, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk about The Last Dinosaur. We'll be back right after this. I'd say out of all the things you expect out of this movie, a James Bond S theme song is not what comes to mind immediately. <laughs> well, you know, it's no, uh, it's no peaceful Verde Valley, but yeah, yeah but it, but it is in that ballpark, though, right? You know, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Like we talk about, I mean, it's <laughs> it's that era where you know they felt like they had to have a song, and that's uh, always kind of fun when mm-hmm. you when you hear that. And that's a that's a good little jam, a weird jam. Mm-hmm. But I like it. It's got this kind of melancholy feel to it. Um, I was just looking at some stills from the movie, and I still, I can, uh, I laughed uh, out loud, uh, LOL'd, if you will, at a uh, the image of uh, Richard Boone with the space helmet on, yet wearing his uh, Daniel Boone-inspired hunting gear. 
mm-hmm. uh, is is uh, yeah, it might be worth watching just for that reason alone. Uh, let's get into it here. The Last Dinosaur, 1977. A wealthy big game hunter and his group become trapped in prehistoric times when they are stalked. Where? Not when. They are stalked by a ferocious dinosaur. Uh, again, this is uh, Alexander Grasshoff and Suganobu Katani. Uh, starring Richard Boone, Joan Van Ark, Stephen Keats back on the show. Uh, oh, Jackie Brown. Yeah, uh, J- uh, Todd and I, I was going to say Jackie and I, we're just talking about, uh, we're just talking about Steve Keats. Uh, he's in Death Wish. A lot, a lot of GGTMC movies for that guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I believe the older Japanese gentleman, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'd seen him in something before, the Doctor character. I could be wrong. Tetsu Nakamura? Yeah, I could be wrong. Uh, my Asian uh, film uh history is not always the greatest but i could it could be this could have been the last movie he did i could be uh wrong. yeah i could be wrong well i guess i'm right then there we go yeah he's born yeah, in canada yeah. how about that nice amazing nice uh yeah this was the last movie he did i just looked it up there we go but he was in red sun and a few other things so that's what i know him from uh mostly his red sun but uh Anyway, let's see. Who wants to lead on this? Uh, if nobody does, I guess I can. If unless will, unless you're interested, unless you want to jump in. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to jump in here. I, you know, Toddy can't. Uh, you don't lost me, so I'm happy to dive in. So I want to give credit. Like I, I was turned down when you were talking about that uh, that odd theme, but great theme. The late great Nancy Wilson. It's uh, yeah, a bit melancholy, a bit Bond. It's um, yeah, but it's quite good. It is. It is. It is. It really, I mean, it's a silly sounding song. And when you think of the movie, it seems kind of silly in context. But actually, the song itself is uh, is pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's uh, very, very good. Uh, and it's weird. I don't know if you had mentioned this already, Sammy, but this is a Rankin Bass jam. It is. It's right? a Rankin Bass slash uh, Super Aya Productions yeah. uh, bat. Yeah. Which there was, is there was know, a time, right, when the Japanese and Americans and uh, folks were kind of working together to. Well, Rankin Bass had that relationship with Toho uh, mm-hmm. from King Kong yes. Escapes, and with the uh, you know Japanese visual effects technicians from that as well as from their stop motion specials, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know the guy who created Super Eye Productions, A.G. Super Eye, had been dead, I think, seven years uh, when this was made, but. Obviously, his FX company was still going strong, uh, and I believe it's still going strong today, although I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, don't quote me on that one at all. And, you know, Nobru Subaraya uh, was the one who was involved with this little effort. That would be his uh, his kid. So, uh, yeah, it's it's, inter- it's interesting the way that that, uh, that Pan-Atlantic, uh, or Pan-Pacific, I should say, yeah. uh, thing... Uh, kind of worked out on on movies like this yeah this one it's weird it just gives a, it gives a nice little weird tone yeah i think that one virus i think is what it was called that was the uh, uh, that, yeah oh yeah. yeah now that one is a kind of pan american pan pacific or whatever you want to call it uh production there's a few of them uh in the 70s and uh it's kind of an interesting time this one uh i don't re- i thought i had seen this uh but watching it i clearly had not there's a lot of things in here that are Kind of memorable, special effects wise, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't, I do not recall any of this stuff. Now, this premiered on network television mm-hmm. uh, by the time it got released here in the states, 
So maybe I had stumbled upon it at some point. I mean, obviously, I would have been four or five years old, so I would have been heavily attracted to it because most young boys are attracted to dinosaurs. So, um, I, you know, I had my dinosaur phase as well, and it was probably right around the four or five. I think the most interesting piece of trivia I saw was it got a theatrical release uh, in UK was a double bill with William freaking Sorcerer, which is... I saw that. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing because I can't think of two films that could be more different than each other. <laughs> That would be a GGTMC double. Yeah, that definitely is. That yeah, it definitely sounds like a GGTMC double bill there. I did want to say, just speaking about Rankin Bass for a minute, and Todd had kind of alluded to it, but the thing that always blew my mind, and if I'm remembering it correctly, as my chair squeaks, and this is like Groundhog Day, I forget to WD-40 it, and then I do the show and it squeaks and I forget, and nice. we're back to it again. So uh, Rankin Bass, I believe the Rudolph yes. special, the much-beloved Rudolph yep. special, was done in Japan. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. All, all a lot of those, the, yeah. you know, Santa Claus is coming to town, all of that stuff. Year without a Christmas, um, Little Drummer Boy, etc. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the work was done in. That was in, the. Uh, every time yeah. we talk about the Rudolph special, I always remember. I think it was you, Will, who said that Rudolph's yeah. dad's a prick. He is. <laughs> he is. He is. He's not a very good father figure, and <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> no, he's terrible. He doesn't accept his son as he is. Yeah. Santa's not much better. Yeah, Santa's uh, a bit takes, of a prick too. Yeah, yeah. It takes Santa being able to um, <laughs> use Rudolph for his own means to approve of him and his uh, different uh, and his differences. The very right wing uh, of Santa. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's very bizarre. And, you know, I, well, speaking of characters, and I am going to digress here, and I apologize, but I have to say it. I was talking to William during a jog the other day, my oldest son, and he was telling me how he doesn't care for Alvin and the Chipmunks. And I've mentioned this on the show before. I'm on record as saying <laughs> Alvin is a little asshole. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I didn't use those words with my son, but I said Alvin's not very likable. No, he just not. uses Simon and Theodore. Yeah. He's yeah, yeah. such a little shit. Yeah. <laughs> and that show hasn't aged well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it hasn't. Never been no, a chip, I mean, never been a no. chipmunk guy myself either. No, no. But anyway, I digress. So this one, I had not seen this, and in fact, I think I'd said to Todd, Todd, is this like a like an Italo kind of like cannibal film or something? I, I'd asked something <laughs> like that. Like I, I, that's what I thought it was, and it's very much not that. No. Um, Although it does have natives in it. Although it does, and yeah. you know, played uh, Japanese, Japanese natives, yeah, Japanese yeah, yeah. natives, which, which works reasonably well with prosthetics yeah. and oversized teeth. Um, <laughs> you know, they work reasonably well. I think during that scene, not to jump ahead, I, I don't think I thought to myself, I don't think I've ever seen this many Japanese actors dressed as cavemen and cavewomen <laughs> in my entire life <laughs> so, until now. But uh, this, to me, I think in summary, feels so much like a, like a good. Um, Sunday afternoon film. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's hundred percent what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just, it goes down nice and smooth and easy. It's, um, it's got a fun, capable cast. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is the kind of film and this is where Todd, I really appreciate you. Um, because all of us, as much as we all have very similar tastes and I'm not saying this is like my favorite film ever, but there's certain stuff that I would never pick, and I would have never picked this for the show. I don't think Sammy would have, probably. No. But then you add you to the mix, and we get stuff like this being covered. So <laughs> it's one of the fun things about having three hosts who have this very homoerotic and loving Venn diagram. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of crossover, but there's stuff that's completely outside of each other's wheelhouse that we cover. So it, yep. yeah. Sure. So I tip my my toque to you for that. So. 
it's kind of fun too to kind of go back and some of this Rankin Bass stuff. I mean, it, it's fun to kind of go look at that anyway because obviously that's pivotal to all of our childhoods. Yes, all three of us, and then you know uh, even people past us. But I mean, I, I always every time I go back and do research and when we talk about something with Bass and Rankin in it or something they're involved in, I always forget about the fact that they're pretty much the two that are responsible for Thundercats. Yep. Thundercats I and Silverhawks and wow. uh, Tiger Sharks, I think. Yeah. Tiger Sharks, yeah. That's yeah. Thundercats was a And the uh, Hobbit. Monster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, that one of my favorite things they ever did was the animated Hobbit. Mm. And Return of the King, I think they did too. Yeah, yeah. That nice. that one's very jacked up in a lot of ways, but I think there was a lot of interference with that at that point, but I know that... Mm. That animated Hobbit is was a pivotal film for me as a kid. Oh, big, 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 big time. Yeah, so it's always kind of fun to kind of look and and just kind of look back and see how much you know how much influence Rankin and Bass have had on my life uh, because they were such a pivotal part. The Last Unicorn, Thundercats, uh-huh. you know, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, and all those Christmas specials. Obviously, Mad Monster Party and some other stuff. So. But Frosty the Snowman, which Todd and I had fun doing impersonations of, and we covered Microwave Massacre, and oh yeah, I mean, I can imagine. you know, it's just uh, and Todd and actually, Will, I think you had some comments about Frosty the Snowman not too long ago, right? Too, uh, I, I feel like it, it hasn't. Yeah, it yeah, you know what? That one hasn't aged well, man. Yeah. It's it was one I always felt like that and Rudolph were kind of one A one B for my childhood, but. You go and my wife. I'm vocal about the well, not with the kids because I don't want to color their perception, but I'm very vocal with my wife to say. Rudolph is far superior to uh, Frosty. It is so flimsily put together with such a mediocre foil. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I mean, no, wait. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. I, no, I, 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 you know, I could totally remember you saying something. I feel like you watched it this past year. I probably did. And I, I watch f- them every year. And yeah, and I feel like you, uh, or I feel like at some point we had this conversation because I haven't watched the Frosty special in years. I mean, years. I think I tried to yeah. watch it with my son. Thought he might be interested. Uh, he tuned out pretty quickly. So I, I like the voice work for Frosty. I can't remember who it was now. It's uh, probably someone notable uh, that I'm forgetting, but not, and not very notable. Uh, but uh, Todd and I do like to do impersonations of him sometimes. Yeah, well, you guys are good at impersonations. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, that, that. that sounds almost like um, uh, Pokey. Yeah, <laughs> like Pokey. or no, no, like um, gee, Davy, what's that? Um, oh, Davy and Goliath. Davy and Goliath. Yeah, like the uh, yeah. Gee, sure. Davy. <laughs> Speaking oh, of, parents uh, gonna be bad. That's right, man. <laughs> That's right. So, no, uh, but yeah, Frosty uh, doesn't hold up as well, sadly. But that's the way it goes. This this holds up uh, reasonably well. Uh, like we said, it's got a fun cast. This was that time where it almost, in a way, it's it's almost like uh, fits into like a disaster movie of sorts, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah way. Yeah. Right? You get, you get a, a global cast. And that's one of the things that's pretty interesting about this is at times it feels very dated, um, and, and it's because let's face it to me and I don't I hope I'm not reading too much into this maybe it was intended at the time but to me Richard Boone is the last dinosaur he absolutely is yes yeah. yeah the whole yeah. point of the movie yeah he is absolutely the last dinosaur um, and it's not Denver um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's got a you know global cast 
Uh, it's got Jackie Brown, like I said, Stephen Keats, John Van Ark, Ben Boone. Um, it's got uh, an African or African American African American actor, Luther Rackley, and then yeah, yeah. Uh, some Japanese um, co-stars as well. So, you know, it's it's kind of going for that uh, international cast thing, which is fun. Um, Boone is just has the classic hunter pad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really does, and it's oh. funny to see nowadays. You would rarely see that, and in fact, the Boone character in this, I mean, he really would be the villain of the film. Yeah, normally, uh, yeah, yeah, normally he would be, but he's he is actually given a fair amount of development here. Yeah, and he's he's a bit of a complex. We're character. meant to understand. Yeah, we're meant to understand why. Well, not necessarily why he is, but that he is. Uh, the way he is, and that—that's simply, you know, that's the the beginning and the end of it. He's not going to change. He's right. Well, it's it's weird too because, like, in the beginning, he's mentioning that they say they're endangered, but you know, and so he's sh- he's shooting and killing some endangered species, and he's doing stuff like that. But at the same time, he he has this kind of weird kind of heart of gold type thing. It's kind of odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It well, is. It's, it's kind of funny. I got a, I got a kick out of you know how he's like the ultimate cool cookie with the dames. Like he gives some random chick a gold bullet and tells her that when times are tough, you can bite on it. You can bite on it. I yeah. fucking yeah. love that. Yeah, he is well, uh, cool as ice with the ladies. Yeah, oh, big time. And I like that we live in a, in at this era of cinema that we lived in a world where Richard Boone was considered a heartthrob. I mean that. Yeah, right. That alone, looking like he does, <laughs> the most unlikely of heartthrobs. Dude, he is the most mustachioed bowl of oatmeal I've ever seen poured into Correct. a fucking safari getup ever. Correct his, answer. His real nose looks like maybe like Will's son first attempt at a makeup nose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably yeah. it most likely was, and or as squishy as the dinosaurs in this. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it, yeah. it's an amazing nose. Well, I think it it's funny that, you know, he's clearly in his cups uh, in this movie and he's oh, yeah. clearly, I don't think, acting as much as one might think oh, yeah. uh, with the cantankerous uh, sort of shtick that he gets going on here. Yeah. So I think you're you're seeing a lot more of actual Richard Boone yeah. in this movie than uh, than I think, you, you know, yeah. you'd be led to believe it's just on the, on the surface. Paycheck performance is what it feels like. Mm. Mm-hmm. It does, it does, but it's funny for a paycheck performance. Like Todd had said, they do give him more flesh and nuance. Like, oh yeah, they could have oh, yeah. played him a number of different ways, and they make him a more complex character than we generally would get in this film. And not that it's a character study, but they do go to lengths to show us a few different sides yeah. of. Well, I think um, I think it's him. I think I told Todd before you got on this morning. I think it's both you know, and a, a really incredible performance in some weird ways and a totally disinterested performance in some ways. Yeah. Which is, yeah. yeah, no, I agree with that statement because I think it does some, it's somehow both. Yeah. It's, it's really odd. Right. I mean, and what I came away with was whenever Boone's not on screen, uh, I was more disinterested in the movie. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I would have liked more Stephen Keats. Sure. Um, well, and Keats I think is a bit of a milksop though. Yeah, he is in this. In this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, the scientist kind of, meh, you know. But um, Keats in general, I like. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Van Ark's weird. She's, you know, it's funny. Her character kind of. Um, uh, I got the note here somewhere, and of course I can't fuck. Oh yeah, so it's weird because her character really toggles between Karen Allen and Kate Capshaw. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's she's one of those people that I Joan Van Ark. 
uh, is somebody I've never really caught into. It's not that she's bad per se. No, she leaves I mean, me she cold. Certainly, yeah, she certainly got sass. Yeah. Uh, I never found her all that magnetic or compelling. Um, and I find it kind of interesting the way that she connects up with the, or with the way that her character connects up with the, the thrust character talking about guns and hunting. And, you know, she gives him a little faux strip tease and, um, you know, I, I find it really interesting. And especially at this point in time that she doesn't seem to be above sleeping her way into a job. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's bizarre. It's, yeah, it's so right? bizarre because it almost like much like Boone toggles between two things, her character is like I said. She's equal. Like we see the two the two indie films. Karen Allen, and by a lot of people's definition, is a pretty great heroine slash romantic lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Kate Capshaw was so screeching and grating and just kind of not to say Van Ark's screeching or grating, but she's mm, she's objectified mm-hmm. in a way or or not above kind of mm-hmm. cheap female love interest uh, stuff right. in the film, whereas other right. parts she's talked about as being equal. Yep. So it's, it's a weird, weird kind of thing there. Um, what a weird career Joan Van Ark's had. I mean, she's a lot of television, obviously, but some voice work. And even, yeah. I just looked her up just to kind of see what she's been up to. She did a voice in Doom Patrol last year. Oh, I see that, yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, she just... Video game voice work, Fallout yeah. 4. Yeah, she's done some video game voice work. and Archer. Just, she was huge when I was a kid. When I was a kid, uh, she was on a soap like a, a she nighttime. Was on Dynasty Knotts, or not Dynasty, Landing, uh, Dallas. Knotts Dallas, Landing, Knotts Landing, and years. yeah, Knotts Landing and Dallas. She was on both. How of could those. she? How how can she swing? Were they were they tied in together? Though it looks like they were. She played Valine Ewing. Yeah, I guess somehow. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize both shows. I mean, I've well, known about both. Yeah. I never knew that they were intertwined. Yeah, I know my mom and dad watched those both of those shows, and uh, of course, I was young. I didn't watch those shows. But. Yeah. I knew of them more than I wasn't <laughs> intimately familiar with them. She did fucking voice work on Thunder the Barbarian. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> Spider Woman. She was Spider Woman. She was Jessica Drew. Yeah, it's crazy. Nice. Wow. Wonder Woman. I mean, she's, yeah, she's had quite an interesting career. A lot of heavy TV stuff, like you said. She did fucking Petrocelli, man. Mm-hmm, Insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so anyway, uh, enough about Joan Van Ark. Ironside, I'm going to stop. Um, yeah. But yeah, that gold bullet. It's funny that Boone is given this kind of like stud. It almost feels like a role that Rod Taylor turned down <laughs> in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that's very much of its time. And, and Mastin Thrust Jr. fucking loves zebra print. Oh, man. Does he <laughs> ever? It. Like, you know, every hunter seems like certain prints, but he's all about the zebra print. And I got to ask does the classic hunter pad, is, is it not tied together completely with a fireplace like if you don't have a fireplace does that invalidate your hunter pad well yeah because you have nothing else to tie it together uh, as far as you know what are you going to hang your big prize uh above, above? or right? your, door? Or your rug below so. yeah. yeah yeah i mean nowadays, but, uh, yeah well he's, nowadays he's, got fireplace. That, he's got the trophy room on his private plane yeah yeah he's he's balling yeah i mean nowadays big fireplaces time. fireplaces are for hanging tvs now right so they're not hanging yep. right. yes <laughs> Not for hanging uh, stuff to head. Not for yeah, hanging a fang. Not for <laughs> yeah. hanging a fang there, buddy. Yeah, we'll get back to that, <laughs> hanging that fang. Yeah. So you want to hang a fang on a few of the dames in the last one, man. Huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> on Edith. Um, yeah, that's right. That, that, uh, oh, you yeah, probably. That <laughs> on, that, on Edith, yeah, you definitely would hang a fang on something there. <laughs> <laughs> You'd lose a fang. You'd lose a fang. Yeah, she'd be hanging a fang, man. Um, <laughs> Find a fang. Yeah, hey. <laughs> um, 
Mastin Thrust Jr., master of the toast speech. Oh, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. He's got a great name. I mean, great character name, Mastin Thrust Jr. We kind of talked about this a little bit, but I mean, wow, what a a name. I mean, it's just like. He's got a lot to live up to. He does. I rewound it and was like, can I? Did he say Mastin? And sure enough, he did say Mastin. (laughs) I'll tell you what, Mastin Thrust Jr. is thought of to be the richest man in the world, but. For some reason, dude loves to wear sunglasses that someone clearly sat, sat on and didn't fit his face properly at all. Well, I think because he probably just woke up with them on his face, so yeah, he was he's... rolling around in bed, sweating, uh, well, sweating know, his booze out. Yeah, I hate. Yeah, I hate to be the one that says this, but you know, knowing Richard Boone's reputation behind the scenes, yeah. I'd say those shades were probably. Hey, get this guy some shades, man. Those eyes are way yeah. too bloodshot. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you can so when you can warm. see it, dude. I think a couple times he takes those glasses off. You can't even see his eyes. Yeah. There's yeah. so the bags are so puffed up. I was telling Todd while you were off the air earlier, Will, that uh, Richard Boone used to be confused. Him and Charles Bronson used to get confused with each other a little bit. And That's it insane. Because of the small mustache that he, Boone liked to wear and stuff. Now, if you go back and look at the Paladin days of Richard Boone, the kind Maybe of young more, hunk, more. yeah. yeah. Before his nose kind of come becomes this kind of like cartilage like mm-hmm. kind of weird creation that it became. I mean, there was there was a rugged handsomeness to Richard Boone, yeah. uh, but yeah. in the early days, and obviously there was a rugged handsomeness to Bronson. I mean, to each their own. But I mean, yeah. obviously there was that ruggedness. My mom was a fan of Richard Boone, especially Paladin era Richard. Oh Boone. yeah, my, my dad mom. loved Paladin. Yeah, and and. Uh, I think that, you know, that ruggedness, as I've gotten older, I've realized my mom really had a thing for these kind of rugged uh, men of the earth kind of looking, you know, guys. These guys that are handsome, but in a, you know, very earthy way. Yes. Uh, and I realized that was a thing for her uh, now as I've gotten older, but I didn't realize that at the time, obviously. And I maybe outside of the pencil-thin mustache, I don't know if I'd have compared Bron- Boone and Bronson to each other because Boone, much louder, much less subtle of an actor than uh charles bronson who's you know obviously as uh alex winter said just watching him act is akin to watching somebody play golf uh, <laughs> he shows up does the scene then he drives off and waits waits for you to call him for the next scene <laughs> that's funny yeah no he's uh he's in, he had a really really insane like the end of his career was pretty fucking incredible yeah he did bushido blade winter kills the big sleep the hobbit Last Dinosaur, God's Gun, which is a spaghetti western, and The Shootist. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty, like, incredible back end of your career, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anybody has a face for being in westerns, it's Richard Boone. Oh, yeah. I mean, big it's, time. It's it's a face made for westerns. But, yeah, he, big time. He, had a big, he had a big career. Obviously, he had a hell of a TV career. And uh, I think he had a variety show at one point <laughs> or something. That seems improbable and yet highly probable <laughs> yeah he did have yeah he did have the richard boone show yeah yeah that's amazing i bet you smoked his brains out on that show man oh yeah and we um, we uh we should say we erroneously called it uh paladin but obviously the show is actually called have, have gun, gun will travel, travel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i'm gonna travel yeah no my dad was a big fan of that one that's how i knew that one 225 um, episodes of that show he did wow that's a lot that's a lot for real um 
it, I don't think this is the line, but it's there's an incredible moment when it sounds like Boone says to Van Ark, I was wondering what your muff tastes like. Oh. <laughs> I don't think that is the line, but man, I want that to be the line. <laughs> I wanted it to be the line so badly. I'm in, yeah, I'm in my head that's, and in my heart. That's the line. Um, <laughs> God, how about that? <laughs> Yeah. Richard Boone, cunning linguist. Oh, man. Yikes. I don't even think with that schnoz he had, I don't even know if he could get down in there. Well, yeah, right. that, Make I'll it stop. tell you, he could work the little man in the boat pretty good with that. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Good point. Uh, yeah, he could. Uh, <laughs> Boone also had strong ascot game in this. Oh, yeah. yeah. He did. He definitely did. Um, I love that. You know, this also, of course, you know, it feels a little bit like if Spielberg would have been a little indebted to this one uh, with Jurassic Park. Um, <laughs> he goes, I've heard that sound before. Yeah. That's big game. Yeah. 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 And the effects in the movie, I, I really, I've always enjoyed kind of voice, uh, voice, force. <laughs> so, excuse me. I'm, I'm, I went to Jersey for a minute there. Uh, uh, force perspective, uh, you know, kind of special effects. Like the, the when that Triceratops comes running toward them. Oh yeah, uh, that that's a yeah. great moment. You know, it is a how, really seamless moment, dude. How fucking awesome is it that there's a triceratops sleeping inside a cliff? Yeah, yeah. How <laughs> yeah. fucking great is that? Yeah, it's cool. It's amazing. No, I got. But yeah, see. I mean, the effects, the effects are all you know, they're they're of the miniature puppet man and suit variety, and yeah. you know, they're they're called, they're carried off uh, pretty darn well. They're, I think they're they're handled very well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's I a nice little there's a nice little. I sent you guys this. There's a nice little behind the scenes. Yeah, uh, video. Watch. Yeah, pr- it's short, but it's it's got yeah. some uh, some. I wanted stuff. to watch it, but I've always loved you know I like building models and and I like putting sure. things together like that. So miniatures are always a sweet spot for me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, they they work in this. Uh, they are a bit quaint in a couple moments. Uh, uh, the drill itself, the uh, yeah. thrust mobile, is uh, there's moments where that kind of struggles. I think on screen, but everything else, uh, for the most part, works pretty good. I mean, obviously, this isn't Jurassic Park. Okay, I of mean, course. I mean, obviously, it's not even close. But at the same time, it's got this kind of weird. <sighs> I don't know. It's got this kind of weird feel to it that kind of makes it, uh, I don't know, makes it very appealing for yeah. for, what, for whatever reason. I'm trying to yes. get that yeah. out. I can't really understand what I'm saying myself, I'm what I'm trying to say. but No, but I, I know exactly what you're getting at. Yeah. It's, A quaintness you know, to it. Maybe quaintness yeah. is the word. Yeah. That's yeah. one way to look at it. I agree. Yeah. No, I, I think so. And like I said, that's, that's Sunday afternoon stuff. But I got to say, I was waiting to see how the stop motion and, and all the effect stuff was handled. And it's pretty seamless. It looks yeah. quite good. I well, bought for its time. And Sammy was saying about you know about uh, thrust here and something. And it's interesting that, that you know the T Rex uses a little bit of Godzilla's roar, uh, and there's mm-hmm. a couple of other uh, of Toho's monster sounds uh, in there as well. So you would be the one, I think, to catch. It's definitely it's definitely for those who for those who are fans of uh, of the Godzilla movies, they mm-hmm. will definitely hear some things in yep. this that yeah, they no recognize. Doubt. No doubt, that's amazing. Um. I'm no gun expert, but I'll tell you what, that rifle that, that big game hunter mast and thrust was using would not do jack shit versus that T-Rex. <laughs> no. That's, uh, that was almost comical, but uh. I get it at that point. I mean, not much would. Um, I, I, I'll tell you, it's funny. He's, he, he bemoans 
he seems so irritated that the T-Rex won't stand still. Yeah. He was a stand still. It's, uh, it's pretty funny. And how about that? Terry the pterodactyl with the fast thinking medical aid for his fellow dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> pretty amazing. Um, I'll tell you, we talked about the effects a little bit, but I really like the even the sets and the locations they use. I think it all works really well. Like it's it's all very competent. Um there's bones and things like that where the sets are dressed with that look really good. Yeah, yeah, really yeah, good. absolutely. Um, what else looks really good, but I can't believe they went there because it feels to me almost like a, it's a family film in a lot of ways. I mean, it's yeah. a little bit edgier, but we get a fucking crossbow arrow through the heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was pretty wild. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, he just did that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's weird. It, it does. It is, for the most part, a family film, I would say. But it, it kind of exists in that weird. There was between. a shocking, violent moment. Yeah, it kind of exists in that weird kind of in between moment. It always reminds me of, again, I always. This is the first film I always think of, but I always think of my grandmother taking us to see Temple of Doom, and my grandmother wondering what she took us to. When, oh man! <laughs> when Indy rips a heart out, she's like, "What? What did I? What am I watching?" <laughs> you know? Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, and that, that was insane. I, I always compare that to anything, any like moment of violence in a PG film. I always compare that to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that was as nuts as it gets, man. If you'd see a heart get ripped out and it's still beating. <laughs> yeah, no, just think about it, man. It's PG. It's insane. It was PG. That's like, it. even by horror standards, that's intense. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, those are all my notes. No. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to add. The movie is fun. Uh, I don't like to use that word much, but that it that Sunday matinee thing, that is what it feels like. It reminds me of uh, Sundays when I was a kid, and uh, since we're all similar in age, especially Todd and I, I'm sure there were many Sundays or Saturdays where you woke up and probably either watched uh, before cartoons, maybe you watched Star Trek, or maybe you watched... Um, some Jason a star command yeah yeah or you watch some Toho feature uh, sure. uh, some Godzilla film or something I, you know I, I've often on this show over the years kind of talked about my you know not disdain for Godzilla films but my just general boredom with them but you know when I was a kid I loved Godzilla films and uh, they certainly uh, bring back an era uh, for me of uh, you know French toast and and uh, chocolate milk and uh, Sunday mornings and things like that so <laughs> And, and this film Sorry. is certainly this film is certainly in that ballpark. Uh, well, it's the same kind of thing. It's the same kind of feeling that I get from a lot of uh, people. Yeah. yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Yeah, certainly. it's just that that sort of easygoing. You know, turn everything off. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of relax into this uh, this little adventure we're going to throw you into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of thing. Yeah, very, very keep, much. Yeah, keeps it very simple. Film. Yeah. Uh, and there's some fun gobbledygook in here. I mean, there's these guys talking about stuff and everything and explaining uh, all this, you know, and I call it gobbledygook because it's just dialogue to move the story forward, right? But mm-hmm. Flimsy science in a yeah. way, but that's okay. We, we go with it. Yeah, I mean, you do. shit. Yeah. And uh, again, like I said, Boone is either, like I say, he's either incredibly bored or he's having fun. It's kind of hard to tell which at certain points, but it's certainly a lively performance in a lot of ways. Uh, he's got a certain kind of uh, delivery that's unique. Um he is a ladies' man while not being a ladies' man. He's a, a bit of a jerk while not being a bit of a jerk. He's both sweet and and yet unkind. It's a very odd performance in that way. 
because uh, he is, you know, the last dinosaur, so to speak, of the. Uh, he's the titular last dinosaur, I guess we should say. Indeed, yeah. but it does have an odd tone. I mean, and it just it, 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 and there's certain things that I always find weird in movies, you know. Uh, and this one's got one of those weird kind of pet peeve things for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. During the press conference, for whatever reason, we're showing close-ups of Joan Van Ark. <laughs> and yeah. obviously we're doing that because, you know, the audience is supposed to remember that she's a pivotal part of the movie because there's no, mm. it makes no sense for her to be a part of the TV presentation. Uh, nobody has really introduced her as a character other than uh, the, uh, uh, Boone's assistant at the time, who's got kind of a thankless job of kind of wrangling this Donald Trump-esque type character. Um, which is what he reminded me of, right? I don't know if he reminded you guys of that a little bit. I mean, obviously, Trump's not really an outdoorsman. That's more of his son's type thing. But uh, you get that sense, right? This rich and powerful, I'm going to shoot anything I can. I can do whatever I want type of thing. Uh, but he I'm invested- glad I didn't think of that. Sorry, didn't yeah. I'm glad I didn't think of that because it would have spoiled the viewing a little bit for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not to get political. Yeah. No, no, but, not, no. Don't, go, don't get me wrong. When I say that, but, I, I mean that in yeah. the sense that that's what he reminds me of. In no way do I think that uh, <laughs> that makes me enjoy Richard Boone's performance <laughs> no, more. No, no, of course. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Talk about a slippery slope I may have walked on. <laughs> I'm on Noah's Van Ark oh, here. I'm yeah. out here by myself. <laughs> But I mean, the, but anytime, but no, I get what you mean. He's that, yeah, very much so. That anytime you see this, uh, yeah, these kind tycoon. of buff, yeah, the buffoonish tycoon is yeah. uh, every time I see that, that's the first real life person I think of because he is the the quote unquote buffoonish tycoon. I mean, that's what he is. And uh, so when I see a character like this, I'm always kind of reminded that these people actually exist in real life sometimes, where money has kind of gotten them through uh, a lot of. Uh, stupidity and uh you know basically being petulant children mm-hmm. um but he, uh, at the same time though boone's character is a lot more fun and he has a heart which i can't yes. say for the other gentleman but the the right. it's interesting to me how much weight he carries in this movie i was actually kind of surprised at how much boon there is in this movie um because it feels like one of those late cycle tv stars slash old movie star films where they really do just show up for the paycheck and they're they're in the movie for maybe ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. But no, they they do give him. And I think, like you said, it's a weird mix of disinterest and engaged, inspired performance. Like yeah, you would expect someone at this point in his career to really mail it in. But yeah. to his credit, he's jumping around, he's rolling in the mud. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's going for it, you know. Yeah. And Boone died pretty young. I mean, he was not uh, an older gentleman. But I, I, I talked. We were t- me and Todd were talking about it. That you know, he's one of these old school Hollywood guys, and he smoked all the time. Um, like Marty Feldman and stuff. I mean, this is a, uh, I think the IMDb trivia claims it uh, 50 or 60 to 100 cigarettes a day. I mean, oh this, God. Is, this is a guy that just smoked constantly. And of course, he ended up dying of throat cancer. But it, it's funny, you think to yourself, oh, okay, well, well, sure he did because he smoked so much. But then Todd reminded me that Peter Cushing smoked a ton and he lived to be, what, almost 90 years old or something like that. So, yeah. Cigarettes uh, kinda, he was up there, yeah. Yeah, cigarettes kind of pick and choose who they want to pick and choose, just like. So many things. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he was like uh, Feldman stuff. He just one of those guys that, you know, if, if Boone was not smoking on screen, he was smoking. Uh, he's one of those guys. That's all the Hollywood stories I've ever heard from him is that there was never a moment where he didn't have a cigarette in his mouth. And mm-hmm. and uh, that seems to be, again, old school tough guy. But, obviously, there was an era where people smoked cigarettes, too, a lot. 
and uh, not until the 70s did people really start to tie lung cancer and other issues to cigarettes. So let's not forget that. This is, you know, this is a guy who probably grew up and probably started smoking when he was probably six or something, for God knows mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, probably the thing that probably shortened his life just as much, though, was probably the fact that he was a raging alcoholic. Uh, oh, big time. At the behind-the-scenes, uh, big-time alcoholic. And... Um, yeah, very interesting, and he's he's got a bit of Hollywood scandal behind him too. I mean, he's there's been uh, stories over the years that uh, you know it was scandals at the time that he may have been uh, you know a closeted homosexual and that he no way never uh, heard things, that yeah things yeah. like that and uh, you know there's there's stories like that over the years and stuff. But again, obviously that's scandalous in hindsight, not as scandalous today. But um, but yeah, in the context of the time, it would yeah. have yeah yeah. But uh, you know, it's just there. There was these kind of weird stories about him and stuff. I think he may have been one of those actors too that may have had the uh, reputation of being a. Uh, this is going to sound really childish when I say it out loud, and I apologize in advance. But he may have been one of the uh, quote unquote big dick actors of the. Oh uh, really? Uh, yeah, he may have. Uh, him and uh, him and uh, Milt. Yeah, Milton yeah. Burrow and uh, John. Gar- <laughs> and, uh, was, it, was it Garfield? Was one of the Garfields or something? No. There was one actor uh, that worked with John Wayne. John Wayne couldn't stand him because he thought he was a deviant. Uh, can't remember his name. Off the top of my head. Yeah, because uh, I can't remember his name because he would fuck anything. Is what I was told. So, oh man, might have been Garfield. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He's in Red River. I remember he's in that. So I, oh, why I'm drawing a blank on his name all of a sudden? I can't think. Forrest Tucker's Which, another one though. Forrest Tucker. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Peter Cushing died at eighty-one. Eighty-one. So that, that's that's He's pretty old to smoke as much. See, yeah. Um, of course, uh, yeah. Forrest Tucker's nickname, Mule Dick, might have been uh, that. Uh, may have. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, you know, it is what it is. But uh, it's always kind of fun for these, uh, you know, these Hollywood stories. The Milton Berle one is always kind of fun to think about because there's all these great uh, legendary stories of Milton Berle's uh, infamous member and how oh, he, yeah. he would, uh, if anybody asked, he would show it to him. And uh, everybody that saw it said they were <laughs> both astounded, astounded and appalled. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he was a shower or a grower. I bet you he was a grower. I bet. Uh, or maybe he was a shower. Who knows? I, I, you know what? I don't. I don't even know if if, if there's any person I probably never want to see nude. Uh, that might be. He's he's got to be at the top of the list. <laughs> well, I'd rather see Richard Boone nude than Milton Berle. Yeah, it's just for whatever reason. I never thought I would say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd think that. Well, not only that, it's on it's on record now for the rest of your life. It's the internet, record. the internet is forever. You know what? Burl's Burl's a little bit pasty though. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, uh, I I got to find the name of that actor. I will when Todd gets on this. But uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, the Neanderthal performances, the kind of cave people performances, are, are kind of fun and interesting and yeah. a bit odd. Yeah. Uh, I'm not making light of anything when I say this, but I did have a fun joke I wrote down, and I thought I better not say it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. But <laughs> if there were any Neanderthal groups out there, they might be offended from these performances. Uh, this, sure. They are a little uh, tacky, but they're fun in that weird way. Um, it's it's kind of a it's weird to say this out loud, too. It's kind of a stroke of genius to have Japanese actors play Neanderthals. I, I don't know why. Yes. I never thought that would work, but it really does kind of work. That's uh, no, true. Works quite well in the movie, actually. And I like that the one grabs a purse and whatnot. That was um, amazing. Yeah, I found the Joan Van Ark character both interesting and irritating. Like that's what I mean. She's like, Karen Allen, and yeah, uh, she gets on my nerves. Uh, at the same time, I, I can see why Boone might be interested in her, but at the same time, I'm like, put the fucking camera down. You know, 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot more to add. It's a very simple film, uh, and I like that uh, the Maston, Marston, Maston thrust. Maston thrust. <laughs> yeah, everybody. I like that his character kind of has a narrative circle. Like he has a, mm-hmm. like the circle is completed with that character, and that I found oddly touching and poignant in a movie that. I didn't find touching and poignant, which is a bit weird to say out loud. I mean, you guys know what I'm saying, though, right? I mean, it, the Absolutely. movie, the story itself is not real touching and poignant, but the character arc uh, makes sense. And that kind of uh, old man of the West who's uh, out of time, out of yeah. his time, and maybe he understands that he needs to, you know, stick to what he knows. Without, I'll say that without giving away anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that kind of makes sense. And I think that's kind of a romantic look at masculine characters that I think all men can kind of relate to. Mm-hmm. This kind of uh, sacrifice that masculine characters can sometimes make, right? It's the mm-hmm. it's the wild bunch thing without being the wild bunch thing in this case, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't really have a whole lot more to add than that. Uh, effects are fun, and uh, yeah, the sound was good. And uh, yeah, oddly enough, this is one of those ones where for years I remember reading that the, the, there was a lot of laser disc hunters that wanted this uh, particular laser disc. There's a Japanese laser disc. Oh, yeah, disc it's very rare. Yeah, so this was a, a hot topic for many years. And what a poster. We said that a couple of weeks yeah, back with the uh, other thing, but this one's like this is the kind of poster I would have on my wall. Even though I'm not a, I'll forthright and say this, I don't know how many times I would watch this movie, but I love that poster. I mean, I, it really speaks volumes to me. I'd be curious who drew it, who or painted it, or whatever. But man, I love that poster. It's, it's like you know, it's like Savage Sword of Conan mixed with yep. all the other stuff. And I mean, it's just wonderful. If you, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, check it out. It's 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 amazing. Uh, I'll kick it over to you, Todd. All righty. Uh, not a hell of a lot. A couple quick hits here. Um, so Boone. Uh, he rides herd on a press conference like it's nobody's business. Uh, he's clapping his hands. He's hooting yeah. uh, whenever they get unruly. Th- um, that for a minute, I thought he had a clapper like to turn the lights on right? off. Yeah. Nah, man, he was. That's all him. He's thunder, thundering them hands. John Ireland uh, is the actor's name. I was thinking of not Garfield. Oh yes, but John, okay. John Ireland, yeah. notoriously one of the bigger. Uh, units in uh, Hollywood history, <laughs> and was not afraid to use it on uh, both sexes, evidently. So, oh, there you go. <laughs> Good for him. Um, he was open minded. So, yeah. What are you gonna do? Uh, so, it's uh, it's yeah. the story. Obviously, it borrows heavily from uh, the work of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Edgar Rice Burroughs, Robert Howard, uh, and Marvel's X Men comics with the Savage Land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of uh, of precedent. Uh, for this type of thing, Kazar. Um, yeah, exactly. But it's it's very pulpy uh, in that yeah. uh, in that I'm a, aspect. I'm a big Kazar fan and a big uh, Shang Chi fan. Matter of fact, I'm I'm surprised they're making a Shang Chi movie. I'll be honest with you right now, but whatever. Uh yeah. Well, I'll be interested to see how that pans out. Mm, so will I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do have uh, I do have all the omnibuses of the the Master of Kung Fu. Oh, do you? Um, yeah. Yeah, oh, nice, yeah. Nice. Uh, that so, was that era of Marvel comics that I really like. You know, Blade, yeah, big time. Master of Kung Fu, uh, that Werewolf by Kazar, Night, Werewolf by Night. I have that yeah. omnibus. I mean, that that were really weird, pulpy stuff they did. Tomb of Dracula, all that stuff. Yeah, like seventies, yeah, mid, yeah, mid yeah, 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 the seventies yeah, stuff. 70s. Yeah, it's 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 the really, it's really when Marvel was 
kind of trying to refine their identity and uh, yeah. they were doing some really odd stuff, but it was really creative stuff in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. A hundred percent. It's kind of interesting that Thrust starts off not wanting to hunt the T-Rex, or at least that's what he claims. And, when, and you, you know, kind of almost believe him. Um, but at the same time, you know, he also brings his very own personal spear carrier. Uh, so, you know, uh, but that's part of the conflict and the theme of the movie. Um, Stephen Keats does what he can with the material. Uh, in fact, I think that for the most part, uh, it's fair, treated fairly uh, seriously, you know, within genre limitations. Yeah. Uh, but watching uh, Richard Boone kind of careen across the screen at the top of his lungs uh, <laughs> is really kind of a huge draw uh, for me, at least. Um, it's, uh, it's a real oddity, the movie is, uh, yeah. as we've yeah. been kind of saying. Uh, but it has stuff on its mind beyond dinosaurs and giant leeches, and it's largely about uh, machismo and being a living fossil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the filmmakers handle everything actually a lot better than you might expect. Uh, at first blush like we've been like like, again like we've been saying here uh this is actually you know it's pretty well paced uh it does sag a little bit in the middle Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but they know enough to stick a monster monster of uh some kind in there every few minutes to break up any kind of melodrama monotony um it uh the movie wavers uh between like ridiculous and like stone cold sobriety uh and i also find that kind of alluring um Mast and Thrust is also not above calling Stephen Keats a ding dong. I love uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> fucking great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the, the cave people show up and they provide another little wrinkle to the movie. Uh, and this, this leads into one of the more interesting things I find about the film is that it takes place over a pretty long span of time. Uh, it's not just a quick adventure. The characters kind of have to make new lives for themselves. Um and, you know, Keats, the new 20th century man, has to adapt here to the idea of killing while Thrust is completely at home with it. Uh, and, of course, you know, they both want the woman, Van Ark. Uh, yeah, hence yeah. the introduction of the cave woman uh, who comes in. And But they kind of treat her like a, a, a servant. Uh, but the, I think the point of her is that she recognizes Thrust as a caveman. Um and I'm kind of surprised that there's no scene where they straighten her back out like they did in, uh, in the movie Caveman with Ringo Starr. Oh, yeah. uh, so just to bring that little zinger in there, uh, I never I have totally a, bought. I have a yeah, big, time, I have a big time soft spot for that movie. For Caveman? Oh God, yeah. Oh, huge. Yeah, I have huge. no idea why either. If you go back and watch it, it's pretty awful in a lot of ways. But I tell you what, I oh man, I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Matusak alone, uh, John Matusak alone in that movie is amazing. <laughs> when he gets the fucking uh, the the crab on his nose, um, Lana, Alanda, mm. <laughs> Atuk, Atuk, uh, so, <laughs> Zug Zug. Uh, you also get uh, Avery Schreiber uh, farting flames there. So well, yeah. Uh, anytime, any, anytime you get the yeah, anytime you get the Dorito guy farting flames, I'm good. Yeah, the Dorito guy. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got to be a certain age to remember that he was the Dorito guy. Oh, huge, huge, huge. Uh, so, I again, yeah, I never totally bought the uh, the May-December romance angle, but I also have to admit it feels a bit different here mm. uh, for how many of these, you know, these sorts of things Hollywood has conjured up over the years. Uh, it does feel a little bit more 
uh, I hesitate to use the word realistic, but definitely different. Well, I think it helps um, that Van Ark's character, she's a bit of a tomboy. Like, she's a bit of well, an, yeah. aggre- she's yeah. an aggressive character herself. And, like, you know, the camera's a gun, not like in our erotic thriller we watched uh, a couple weeks ago, Will, but... <laughs> But the camera sure. is kind of a gun for her. You know, she's documenting these moments of violence and scary moments, and she's she's willing to kind of hang in there. So I think for whatever reason, that makes that May-December romance, I think, in this Work film. Yeah, I think it works, right? I mean, it doesn't feel like overly perverted or anything. It's not no, like no, the, no, no. It's not like Breakfast with the Devlins. <laughs> yeah, no. It ain't that kind of May-December romance. Mom. Mommy. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun watching Boone come up with like rigged weapons and traps, like the Balder gag and so on. Uh, I'm telling you, man. I think a, that, another large part of the movie. Yeah, that's still uh, it's it's on IMDb. That's still though of them inside that drill, uh, that drill machine, all wearing their spacesuits with bike helmets. And then if you look to the left, there's Richard Boone with his Davy Crockett outfit on. Yep. And that a helmet on. It is. It is one of those stills where you put it up and say, you know, caption this. Because <laughs> uh-huh. it's like, yep. why is he wearing that outfit? <laughs> <laughs> because he's best in thrust, man. Yeah, it's it's, uh, a, it's an amazing moment. Even when they were walking on, down to the... Gong. Yeah, even when he was walking on, down to the... <laughs> when he was walking down to the drill, I thought to myself, amazing. Amazing that he would be oh, wearing yeah. that outfit. It's just pure machismo. But he's got rocks the size of fucking... Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what. Uh, but yeah, cantaloupes. So, yeah, right. They might as well be. I hope they don't look like cantaloupes. Um, they might. Yeah, unfortunately. Jud- judging from his nose, they probably look more like Play-Doh. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but uh, all of this, all of these weapons and everything, you know, it, it all leads up to what I think is a pretty solid finale. Yeah. And uh, it's a really fitting final scene. That's yeah. you know kind of sad and lonely. Yeah. Um, it has a poignance so, to it that's kind of unbelievable because again, yeah, I don't think the yeah. movie's very poignant, but but I, I really but it's there. yeah you do get something out of it. Yeah, I feel like something more than you might think. Come yeah. full circle on the Mast and Thrust character, and you feel like some kind of payoff, and it's really weird how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know where the on location stuff was shot. I believe it was in Japan somewhere. I think um, so. But they look fantastic. Uh, the location stuff does, uh, with the dead trees sticking out of the swamps next to these, you know, lush green mountains and all that sort of thing. So it's just one more thing. You know, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of decent production value going on in, in you know what's obviously a rubber monster cheapie. Um, and I think there's a lot more care uh, going on here than you might uh, expect at first blush, or to just hear the uh, the title uh, and synopsis. Uh, and I like this movie. I have, you know, I, I've always had a soft spot for it, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. since way back when, um, you know, when I first saw it and then, you know, seeing it again, uh, and, you know, then bringing it onto the show because, you know, I really, uh, just wanted to get it out there a little bit more. I know there's a fair, I'm pretty sure there's a fairly recent, uh, Blu-ray of it that came out, uh, not too long ago. So nice. Uh, Who put that so, out? Yeah. Did Keener Lorber put that out, or Warner Archive, or something? I want to say it was Warner Archive. Now, that feels, it totally that. feels like a Warner Archive type release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does. I'd have to look. Uh, but that's all the notes that I got. I'm yeah, I'm, uh, I'm glad you guys uh, seem to have gotten uh, a bit out of this. So cool. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it's always fun to kind of go back and look at some of the kind of kids' films we kind of grew up with, uh, even though I don't recall seeing this as a child. 
this is totally something that I would have seen as a child if mm-hmm. I'd have known it existed probably, or maybe I did and I don't recall, but either way, I mean, I just, there's an era of my childhood that, uh, you know, films played a different role. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my true love of movies didn't come until my, I latched onto horror. And then once I latched onto horror, I started falling in love with everything else around it. Right. But, uh, before that it was the films like this and Godzilla films and, uh, yes. War of the Gargantuas, which we covered. And, you know, that was a huge yep. one for me. I mean, I watched that film every time it was on. So anyway, let's get into make or breaks MVTs. Will, what do you got? Make or break. I like that for the scene with the Triceratops. I mean, at that yeah. point, we're in the world. Um, the characters are the stakes are really increased. And like I said, the effects are really good for the time. Sometimes, yeah. you know, you're really willing to kind of overlook some clunky kind of stop motion or claymation stuff or whatever. But everything that's at work, special effects wise, in that scene works well. It makes a thrilling moment. Uh, and my MVT is just that. I think the the world that's created, if you're going to buy that this big game hunter and these bright minds and these brave, intrepid people are going to be there, you kind of want to buy that the world that they're inhabiting from set design and otherwise is is believable and livable, breathable. And it, it is. It, it looks very good. Uh, my score for this one is a 6.5 out of 10. Really solid Sunday afternoon fare. I, like I said, it was just kind of harkens back to stuff as a kid and yeah it was a nice little uh nice little watch yeah um my make or break is also the same i'm gonna go that uh, because at that point i didn't know what the effects were going to be like uh well i mean i kind of did with the drill but i not not so much i think the triceratops really like that scene so much better than the scene of the drill going through the earth uh it's like leaps and bounds better and that forced perspective really works for me um, I really like that quite a bit, and um, I, I kind of knew what I was in for from that point on. So I was I was good with it. I'm seeing a DVD, but I'm not seeing a Blu-ray. Yeah, no, no, I was wrong. It was it's only DVD from yeah. Warner. Yeah, yeah, because I'm, I'm I'm like you know if that's got a, if it's got a good price on it and maybe something on it, I might uh, might pick that up. Because uh, it's it's a weird it's a in saying that it's a bit of a weird novelty of a film. Again, I don't know if I'd watch it over and over again. Uh, certainly not really kind of in my ballpark that way but it's something that i would revisit from time to time uh my mvt i'm gonna go with boone i really i really like the performance like i said it's both like he's incredibly engaged and not engaged at all it's yep. uh one of those weird uh kind of late cycle career performances that i find incredibly interesting uh as i've gotten older i enjoy them more and more because they're very weird those uh those performances it's like ah fuck i gotta pay my bills but at the same time it's like ah well i'm here i might as well you know Turn it on a bit for everybody. Everybody wants to see Richard Boone. They want you to get a Boone it up. Yep. <laughs> ding dongs. But the yeah, uh, bunch of ding dongs. <laughs> but I mean, he's fun in the movie, and for me, he's really the main cell of the movie. I mean, as much as I like Keats, and I don't mind Van Ark in this, and obviously I don't mind the special effects. I really like those. Uh, it's really, I'm always kind of a, you know, there's a bit of me that's a bit of a star fucker, for lack of a better word. I mean, that's a terrible thing to say, but I mean, I. You know, I, I, I appreciate the mood, the, especially the matinee stars and the TV stars and the stuff, the guys we grew up on or the guys even my parents grew up on because they were very, that was very heavily a part of my childhood was watching these, you know, Western TV shows like Have Gun Will Travel and Chuck Connors was a big part of my childhood with The Rifleman and uh, Steve McQueen with Wanted Dead or Alive and 
and all these things, you know. I mean, I probably knew who McQueen was before most kids my age knew who McQueen was. Um, my grandfather was really into that stuff, too, those TV westerns. So there was a lot of that. Matter of fact, that's, out of all the things Tarantino's mentioned lately that he would like to do, the idea that he's thinking about doing a TV western show, because uh, he's talking about doing some television after, I guess, his next film, because I think his next film will be his last film. Last film, yeah. That's what he's saying. Apparently. Uh, he keeps his word. He's been talking a big game about wanting to do like a half hour western tv show for somebody so i would love that that would uh, be fun i think yeah. that, would, that would work yeah i'd like to see a western tv show again i don't think that uh that's a good uh, i think that's a genre of television that's well it's all but dead oh yeah uh, uh, but you know it's a it's a genre i grew up on and i love uh with a, a passion that uh you would not understand unless you were me <laughs> uh my um, score for the film, what'd you give it, Will? I can't remember what you said. 6.5. Oh, nice, nice. I, I go 6.75. Again, I think some of the stuff is, it's a little middling for me in spots, but at the same time, I really, I do enjoy it. I think it's really good. And uh, certainly better than most, uh, again, I always say this kind of stuff, and I'm always afraid somebody's going to come at me. Come at me, bro. But I'm not the biggest uh, Godzilla guy, and... I always find that stuff uh, quaint is not the word I would use. Uh, I, I find it rough sometimes and and overly boring because it hangs around. But this stuff doesn't hang around too much, and I kind of enjoy it. And obviously, it's 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 tacky effects by today's standards, but mm -hmm. the practicality of it is what I like. The uh, workmanship, yes. as uh, Will so often says when he talks about animated films, I, I think that you know workmanship and and film history is uh, something we we need to hang on to it's part of our past right so uh it i'm not saying we need to go back to it i understand why we make dinosaur films the way we make them now but uh i think we should still respect the films of the past especially this kind of stuff so i just want to jump on the pile so you don't get kicked and punched alone i've also never been a big godzilla guy yeah uh and I, with much do, which with a lot of love and respect to our friend Todd. So I think it's really a testament to this film. That yeah. It works as kind of this fun adventure, right? Yeah. Like it's obviously got a built in audience with people that are into kind of um, the big monster stuff and the foam suit stuff. But it just, yeah, kind of works. you surround yourself with people who like the things you like. But I, I can tell you that if I ever, if I ever said, hey, you know, I'm in the mood to do a kaiju film, then I'm going to ask Todd to pick one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I got a couple I got planned. Or if I'm gonna, yeah, ask, that's good. If I'm gonna ask to pick an Asian crime film, I'm gonna go to Will. Right. right or right. you know, and if you guys are gonna, you know, if I'm gonna, you go guys to spaghetti gonna, or yeah, something, an American western or something like that, or you know, you go probably come to me. So, I mean, there is obviously fields that we play in that uh, yep. we tend to like more than others, right? So sure, comfort food, whatever. But no, that'll be fun when the time comes. But this was a good kind of. Tick off a lot of boxes, leave everyone satisfied and smiling film for, for me. Yeah. yeah. Todd, what was your, uh, let's get your official thoughts on record. Wicked. Uh, so, Make or Break uh, is kind of similar to your guys, but not quite. Uh, I think when when you see the very first shot in the Savage Land uh, with the puppets and miniatures and map paintings, I think that at that point you're either all in or all out. Mm -hmm. Um so that's what uh, what I'm putting down for that MVT. Uh, yeah, much as I love the monster effects, uh, I got to go with Boone as well. Um, he keeps things lively whenever he's on screen. Uh, he feels authentic in this, you know, craggy role, <laughs> uh, whether that's on purpose or not. Uh, and I feel, like I said before, that I think that we see a lot of the real Boone here. Oddly enough, 
Uh, and score for me is, yeah, it's a 6.75 out of 10 uh, as well. Um, yeah, it's perfect uh, Saturday or Sunday matinee uh, sort of viewing. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's more satisfying than you might be led to believe, uh, especially from sure. just seeing the, uh, the dated, uh, special effects, which, mm-hmm. uh, again, I, is something that I personally love. Yeah. So good stuff. There you have it. All right. Uh, that awesome. is the, uh, big show as we often say here at the, uh, GGTMC. I don't really have anything else. Uh, we know what we're doing next week. We know that. Uh, no, but we can pick some. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could. I mean, I know, I know what my next I, I pick have is. If, uh, yeah, I know what want. my. So who picked this so week? It, so so I, I, I've picked two in a row. I so I don't. I don't think it's fair. I picked this, and uh, okay, so you want it to be Sammy and me, well, or well, yeah, that's fine by me. You dudes do it. I mean, I got to have two in a row, so I should let you guys uh, roll a couple out here and. You know, yeah, trying to, with three guys, it's always kind of hard to. De- yeah, it, but it is kind of. Well, no matter what, some of us are going to go in a row. So, uh, yeah. whoever's willing to sacrifice their pick, we'll just go. Yeah, yeah why don't you go? I'll, I'll defer in gentlemanly fashion. I okay. love to re- defer to my good amigos, uh, the two of the two thirds of the tres amigos to pick. Do you, well, so, what do you got, Todd? What do you got? Uh, I am going to go with Gwendolyn from 1984. Oh, nice. Uh, directed, by, <laughs> wow. directed by Just Jackin. Oh, nice. man. That's yeah. how I pronounce it anyway. Just Jackin, yeah. Because <laughs> that's wow. what he had to have been behind the camera. This movie, oh, yeah. this movie has gotten so many releases in so many weird <laughs> ways. And it's getting ready to come up with another, I think, a Blu-ray or a 4K yes. release or yeah. something. So. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So interesting, especially when you consider what I'm picking. <laughs> Which is uh, the opposite of that in so many ways. Uh, I am picking uh, Urban Cowboy from 1980. Oh, wow. What an episode. <laughs> uh, directed by James Bridges, uh, starring one John Travolta. And wow. uh, Scott Glenn in a mess shirt. Yeah, uh, so that'll be fun to talk about. And uh, Yeah, should be a fun episode, that one. That's going to be a really fun episode, man. We get the return of Brent Huff. We get uh, the return of John Travolta. Tawny fucking Katayan. Yeah. <laughs> Deborah Winger, Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn coming back. He was on just a, what was he on a couple weeks ago? Yeah. And if you're really into yeah. it, if you're really into it, a little Barry Corbin action. Uh, Barry Corbin, yep. the uh, famous Texas actor. Plays Uncle nice. Bob in Urban, uh, Urban Cowboy. So. Anyway, it uh, should be fun. I, I bought the Blu-ray recently of Urban Cowboy. I've been wanting to rewatch it for some time, uh, and uh, I just need an excuse. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to predict that I know who Sammy's big crush in Urban Cowboy is. Okay. We'll, okay. okay. We'll, we'll wait till next week to find that out. <laughs> Are we calling that episode Gwendolyn and the Land of Urban Cowboys? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite possible. Or the Gwendolyn, cowboy Gwen- in the land of the yik yak. Gwendolyn, yes. yeah, 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 the land of the yik yak. That's right. Gwendolyn has that uh, subtitle, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Uh, man, I haven't seen that. I, I actually have a copy of Gwendolyn that I've had forever, and I've kept in my back pocket to cover on this show. So it's it's always fun when one of us picks something that I've always kind of held on to. So there we go. Finally, maybe I'll pick. Maybe is, is that is that Blu-ray out? I think it is. Well, maybe I pick that up. The movie's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know. It had to be the right price. Anyway, yes. You need All right, for, the, for, for that, yeah. Yeah. There's the perils of Gwendolyn in the land of the yik yak. Uh, 
<laughs> what a, I don't even know if I can have that Blu-ray cover in my house. <laughs> you seen that Blu-ray cover, Todd? Uh, Will? No, I haven't. I'm going to have to look for that. Oh, that yeah. You might just do it on the air real quick, if you don't mind. I don't want to hear your reaction. See how you would explain having that cover in your uh, collection if the kids come across it. Is it is it the one, the black one? Uh, well, the one with the two ladies on the front, yeah. No, I haven't seen. Hang on. Wait, let me see here. Gwendolyn. Blu-ray. Make sure you put Blu-ray in there. Yeah, let me just get it. I'm going to do it very quickly here. Yeah. Doing searches on the air, having fun. This is the kind of stuff we do. <laughs> <laughs> so there. Let's see. Image search. Yeah. So I'm curious. Fucking, why is it not coming up? For I'm getting like the adventure kind of. Oh, you're getting that, that has one? more chains. Yeah. Uh, than the other. <laughs> yeah, one has more chains and less uh, tops and more g-strings than the other. Indeed. That's weird. I'm not seeing that. Oh, which which are you, maybe are you on like Blu-ray? Uh, Severn. It's a Severn release. Oh, okay, so yeah. let me put Severn in. That'll yeah, bring it up. That'll bring it up. That'll come up immediately. I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you explain that? Yeah, you you don't. <laughs> that's one you. That's one you put away. <laughs> that strategically plays butterfly. Yeah. Well, it might have it might have a reversible uh, cover on it. By the way, wow. I, I want to say Brett Huff. Uh, fun fact: I was watching that uh, rookie TV show that. Uh, I can't remember his name now. The guy that was popular for Firefly and everything else. And oh, uh, Nathan Fillion. Oh, Nathan yeah. Fillion. Yeah, I was yeah. watching that show for a little while, and Brent Huff is on that show, and he's really good. Is he? And, yeah. yeah, and he's uh, as playing this kind of grizzled cop, and uh, he's really good in the show. Uh, so it's always fun when some of your B-movie kind of guys you remember growing up watching some B-movies with. It's kind of fun when they pop up in something. Uh, yeah. The show is Take It or Leave It. You'd have to be a fan of uh Fillion, and I liked it at the beginning. I don't like it so much now. There's a, a female actress on the show I like a lot. That's probably why I kept watching it. But Which? Um, I, I quit watching it because I just kind of got bored with it after a while. But Brent Huff's on the show, and he's really good. So there, just throwing it out there. And I'm, I'm Facebook friends with Brent Huff. Come on, come on. So am I. I think. Yeah, he's a direct. <laughs> he went and did some directing. So. Yeah, yeah. He's a fun guy. Yeah. All right, so that is the big show. We're kind of filling out a lot of space here at the end. So that'll be fun. Charles of Gwendolyn in the land of the Yik Yak and uh, <laughs> and uh, Urban Cowboy. And Urban Cowboy. <laughs> Gwendolyn in the land of Urban Cowboys. I gotta get to. The, I gotta get to work. <laughs> yeah. I gotta go work, sissy. Sissy. Come on, sissy. Sissy. <laughs> sissy. I hate the fucking way he says her name in that movie. Sissy. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Fucking nails on a chalkboard. Uh, yeah, so you're going to get a lot of that next week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to get Scott Glenn looking sweaty and dangerous. Yeah. Um, all right. That is a big show. I will say adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. Thank you.